All right, welcome in. It's a Wednesday, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. Fellas, a good morning to you, Indiana basketball. It wasn't easy last night. Uh, They got the win. Colts back in action on Sunday. They'll be leaving on a red eye tomorrow. Pacers in action on a doubleheader coming up tonight. We're feeling good. We all have shorts on. Mark, do you have shorts on? Me and KB sporting the shorts in 55-degree weather. That's my man over there. KB, a very good morning to you. How are you? Yeah, there's something about the... um the weather, you know, I always feel this way. Like the first fifty degree day in the fall, it's like everyone's wearing a parka. The first fifty degree day in the spring, everyone's in shorts. Oh, you better believe it. Yeah. But now this is one of those days where it's like, wait, is this it? Is this the last one? Is this the last seventy degree day for many, many months? It is could be. It? So I'm going to enjoy. It. Not for my cold, dead hands. Will they take these shorts from me? How about that? Now, I, I don't know if you are in the boat right now because sleep schedule for little gas is probably just you know throw a dart at a dartboard and see what happens. Mark, the Bowens are struggling with daylight savings time. Oh, boy. oh I believe it. Oh boy, I believe it. Like, is this a dad dilemma? We do have the open. Maybe we should get that ready because I may have one later on for you guys. Parents hate daylight savings time. Yeah. Particularly the fall back because, you know, Max Bowen is wired to right now. He's usually like a 630-ish arrival uh, in the mornings. It is 530 right on cue every bleeping day this week. So what do you do? I'm I'm, I'm asking because I don't know. I'm asking what do you do then? Because usually I like to do like a little bit of morning show prep. And now it's just kind of like, well, here I am semi-half-assing it. So apologize to the listeners. Apologize. (laughs) To you as well. You're like Malik Renew trying to rebound last yeah, night. You have one rebound last night. I'm uh, kidding. Hopefully I'm not Indiana I'm for, the, for the first 30 minutes. Maybe I'm Indiana Well, what do you do? Let me, let me ask you, what do you do then? How do you get the kids back yeah. on schedule? Is there a book that I need to get from Amazon or something like that? No, we books did, don't help you. <laughs> we did just wake him up the other day, and then today it was like, you got to let him oh. just cry it out and just oh. hope that by the end of the weekend or the end of the week, he's back to normal there. So Poor as guy. Andy Sweeney said, it is supposed to be a very nice day here in Indianapolis, mid-70s. Hopefully you can go do something enjoy outside. that. It'll be a walkthrough for the Colts on this Wednesday. Again, they are off to Germany tomorrow after their, I guess, first official practice. Of the week, Pacers in jazz inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and indeed some sweaty moments inside of Assembly Hall last night for about 30 minutes. You know, there are some times, Andy, where I'll watch a game, I'll have a thought, and then I'm curious when you hear from a Rick Carlisle, Shane Steichen, Mike Woodson, Matt Painter, you know, insert the coaches that we talk about a whole lot on the show. I'm curious, you know, what they think of a game, view a game, especially opening nights. You know, I feel like opening nights it can kind of be tricky to pinpoint exactly specific takeaways from it. And I'm sitting there watching the game last night and I'm thinking to myself, damn, they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. A lot yeah. of work to do. And, and part of me thought, you know what? That's a bit of the expectation. I mean, there's so many new faces. It, it's, a, it's a very new look roster. And sure enough, Mike Woodson and I think Mike usually is on the you know a little bit more the candid side of coaches uh, in that post game press conference. 
Uh, he used the pronoun I. I've got a lot of work to do, and he could not be more right. Both sides of the floor. They've got a lot of work to do moving forward, and honestly, it's crazy to think that they are borderline fortunate that Isaiah Tom- Thompson did not play in that game last night, or else we could be talking about Indiana in the same light that you know Michigan State and it, whatever radio shows up there talking about them losing to James Madison. Yeah, I wouldn't even say borderline. I, I would say they're fortunate. I mean, Florida Gulf Coast into the last, what, five, six minutes was getting routinely better shots than Indiana, was running better offense, was running better stuff. You know, like with Anthony, let's go back. Let's go to Anthony Richardson for a second. I'll bring them both together. You know, with Anthony Richardson, no matter what happened this year, you kind of felt like, and even when he was healthy, we kind of felt like, KB, that the starting off point for him was maybe further along than what we thought, right? I think that was fair analysis. It doesn't mean he, you know, maybe he would have had as good of a year as CJ Stroud or fill in the blank of other guys who have taken the league by storm, but you felt like he wasn't, he looked like he belonged out there. Right? Indiana, last night watching them, I thought they were a little bit behind uh, from what I thought they were going to be, which, which I guess should have been expected just with the amount of new faces. And then, even, you know, I know you like Malik Renew, you know. You know, it's one of those times though where the, he wasn't relied on a ton last season, right? I mean, they had other guys. You know, he was a lot of times fourth option, fifth option, sixth option, off the bench, whatever it may be. And now he's a starter, and he played 31 minutes last night. And if he gets in foul trouble, if he doesn't grab rebounds, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it's a big deal. I mean, Khalil Ware played at Oregon last year, uh, and he was great. You know, I, he was he was damn good last night. Yeah, I thought Ware and Gabe Cups were yeah, the best players. Well, and then we get to the Cups family. And, you know, Gabe Cups, who I didn't know anything about. I didn't know he basically mimicked. I mean, he looked like Jordan Halls out there. I mean, let's just say I know it's like the white Indiana basketball player thing, but he looked like Jordan Halls. But I don't know. I put out a tweet last night because Indiana fans obsessed with Gabe Cups. Kentucky fans obsessed with Reed Shepard, okay? And so I put up a tweet last night of the of the gang members who came together and lifted their arms like politicians in the air, and I got a retweet. Was that Hogshead and Shreve last well, night or I, no? <laughs> I don't believe it was. I, I got a retweet and a like from, I think it's like Abby Cups. I believe that's Gabe Cups's oh, sister, nice. I, I'm assuming. Okay, that's Gabe Cups' sister. Unless he's already married well, and she's taken his name when he's, you know, 18, 19. And then I got Maybe someplace in the Midwest well, that that would be allowed. But <laughs> I think so. I and don't then, know if rural Ohio or wherever he's I don't think that's the case. And then I got a like from Gabe Cups himself. Oh, look at so, that. So uh, I am making inroads with the Cups family. We'll Gabe Cups on the show tomorrow. Uh, after like. just 19 minutes of playing in Bloomington last night. Night, your boy here is making some inroads, but they went small and it worked for game well, one. You, it, know? you know, how about the freshman that spearheads the charge to get them back in the game is McKenzie and Baco on the bench and it's Gabe Cups on the floor. Right. You know, who, who would have thought that entering the night? And I do think that's stuff that, you know, Mike Woodson can certainly explore with moving Xavier Johnson off the ball a little bit. And again, Khalil Ware, and part of it is just his sheer size against a mid-major team. Um, but, you know, he, he really stuffed the stat line in a variety of ways. Um, I thought he was very good last night. And then again, I thought Cups was important. And when you needed buckets, I mean, the first bucket of the second half, who'd they go to? Renew. They're down six. They take the timeout. Who do they go to? It's Renew again. Galloway, their most consistent score. I said it to you yesterday, Andy, the starting five to me is such a wild group of five in that they all, I think, have some very different individual mindsets. Khalil Ware and Mackenzie Baco, their plan is one year, 
and lottery. That's what they're thinking. Uh, Galloway and Renew. Or college basketball are, players. Are, are probably four-year guys. Sure. At least three-year guys. And I would argue they're the most consistent. And then Xavier Johnson. Moments last night where he was very, very important. And then other moments where you get good Lance and you get bad Lance. So, you know, how Mike Woodson handles this, they need certainly more out of their bench. I thought Anthony Walker transferred from Miami. A bit of a liability. Again, those sophomores and Caleb Banks and C.J. Gunn. So, uh, a little bit of survive in advance, I guess, if you will, from Indiana. Uh, again, a week from Monday, it'll be UConn, uh, and then uh, I think it's Army later this weekend. So uh, 69-63 the final. They were down 6 of 10 to go. Mike Woodson takes a timeout. They go on a 14-0 run after that. Issues handling the press, actually, in the final minute. Florida Gulf Coast had a 3 to tie it from in front of their bench. They oh, they were that. fortunate. And uh, Indiana was able to survive that one. They were they were fortunate, KB, and they're like the antithesis of the Pacers. You know, the Pacers tonight, you would imagine they play well enough to where you don't have to play Halliburton or some of these guys' big-time minutes. That second unit's going to be so valuable in games for the Pacers. Uh, the second unit in the first half for Mike Woodson and company last night was not very good. <laughs> it just wasn't very good. When you had Banks, Walker, and C.J. Gunn on the, on the floor, along with Ware, who was a starter, you're looking around like, who's exactly going to score on this lineup? Yeah, and who's going to put the ball in the bucket? You know, again, to me, Gunn and Banks are just such critical guys for the immediacy and a little bit of the future. It's like you can't just portal it every year. You know, you need some guys that internally you do develop and they become key players for you. So I think those two will be, you know, guys to watch. But uh, certainly Mike Woodson spot on last night with I've got a lot of work to do. And again, there's an element of that's to be expected with so many new faces, but uh, down six to a mid major program without their best player with 10 minutes to go. Certainly not how I saw that opener going last night. Uh, as Andy said, it'll be Pacers and Jazz tonight. It is a back to back with the Milwaukee Bucks on Thursday. You know, when Rick Carlisle's been with us here each of the last couple Tuesdays, he's mentioned you got to get off to a good start. The schedule kind of indicates that. Home to the Wizards, home to the Bulls, home to the Spurs, home to the Jazz. That's within this first kind of nine games, seven of their first nine at home. Andy, anything less than three and one in those four would be a disappointment. You obviously already lost to the Bulls. You won the other two. Just take care of business tonight. Take care of business tonight, and then you play with a little bit of house money tomorrow. I still look at tomorrow night and think Milwaukee's on a back-to-back. You know That should be a game that you are having a chance to win, in my opinion. Uh, but tonight, just take care take care of business before uh, you take on Milwaukee tomorrow and then two with Philadelphia coming up Sunday and Tuesday. Yeah, and like I wonder if Dame Lillard, like, is this one of those where they sit him? They, Are they it, national television tonight? Uh, no, it, uh, da, 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 I don't believe so. No, who? But Milwaukee? tomorrow is NBA TV. Yeah, it's I, NBA like, TV. What, what qualifies P- Pacers, as the resting? Pacers Bucks is NBA TV. So does that qualify as hey, so you're on move. national TV? So if anything, they would rest tonight and be ready for right. tomorrow. And Milwaukee has the Pistons tonight. Okay, interesting. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, got, they I, had Detroit tonight. I mean, in all seriousness, I know how weird it sounds. I think that would be something to keep an eye on. <laughs> well, I, I just think of, I just tonight. think of him because he's played so few games the last two or three seasons, right? And you're talking about a guy sure. that you would keep healthy. Well, it would be him. I'd throw Middleton into that, you know, mix. Just I know sure. he's not Damian Lillard or Giannis, but you know, he obviously has been dealing with some injury stuff. So, a seven o'clock tip from inside of. Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Uh, again, Stephen Holder, 8 o'clock. Zach Kiefer at 9. Zach was over in Germany uh, for the Chiefs-Dolphins game. So, 
just I'm gonna enjoy that conversation. You know, more from a what was that experience like? You know, stadium fans, Frankfurt, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so we'll chat with Zach coming up at nine, and I, I guess we could ask either of them about Carson Wentz finding a new home. <laughs> good, good for him. I did I'm not sure have the Rams fantastic. on my bingo card for Carson Wentz. Is he going to be able to turkey hunt out in L.A.? Are there any good places to find yeah. some good game out Burbank's there? Burbank's got a lot of game. <laughs> Too much smog. Yeah. <laughs> the smog keeps them down. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to Holder. Now he's uh, going to be the backup, there. right? Carson Wentz is the backup to Matthew Stafford after the bye. That's what all it indications looks, It looks to. like that's the case, which means the chance of him getting a little bit of NFL run is is definitely a possibility, is it not? I mean, Stafford's already missed time. You know, at any point, Matthew Stafford could be out a couple weeks. So if you're Carson Wentz, you're probably going anywhere. It's better than going to, like, the Bears or the Giants right now. So, yeah, go out in L.A. Yeah, I, I just... Him in the L.A. market. I, I, it's I mean, funny. Yeah, it is humorous <laughs> to me. Um, and honestly, it's a little bit of humor seeing him with Stafford. We can get more into this a little bit later. But, Andy, when you think back to a couple off-seasons ago, those were the two guys. Those were the two quarterbacks most prominently talked about early in that 2021 offseason. And Chris Bauer was not a Matthew Stafford guy. And obviously the Stafford price tag was a little bit richer. Uh, I don't think it was absurdly rich when you compared it to the Wentz one. I believe it was just one more first-round pick. Uh, and obviously the Rams got what they wanted, and they got the Super Bowl out of it. Uh, that always puzzled me how you know Ballard was not a Stafford guy and the Colts were so content with, uh, with Carson Wentz. Uh, and now here they are, both of them, <laughs> playing for the Rams uh, in 2023. So uh, certainly an interesting roster move yesterday. From the NFL. I guess we saw no wideout move, right, for the Colts? Nothing Sammy Watkins? No, nothing Sammy Watkins. I mean, you're kind of back against the wall, right, going out of of the country. Are you not? You're back against the wall. Things I want to talk about today, ESPN had their weekly predictor. What kind of percentage chance do the Colts have of making the postseason? And then a couple different things. You know, I've been Operation 5-5, and get to the bye week, and then, you know, some winnable games, Tampa Bay, get ready for them, have a good chance against them. They'll be coming off a difficult game in San Francisco. I have a what if as it pertains to the Colts uh, and you know it has to go back to a painful painful game against Cleveland and then you know the ESPN predictor has right now the Colts actually KB winning eight games if they went eight and nine what would that mean what kind of spin uh, could we have over the entire offseason and then I don't know if you saw the news yesterday Will Levis gets the nod there with the Tennessee Titans the AFC South the Colts needing to have their bleep to even more because the AFC South, some of these teams are making some moves and the next wave of quarterback might be here and I find that interesting as well. Yeah, we talked about it after the draft. I've always labeled it the true TV division of all the uh, divisions. Uh, that's no longer. I mean, you have some intrigue. Now people actually want to watch the Titans and the Texans and when the Colts had Anthony Richardson, they certainly uh, were appointment viewing as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely this division starting to turn a corner and the Colts will see Will Levis here in less than a month, and that means we put mayo in our coffee that week. Yep, yep. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. I'll have to do it. You Flop guys it have done it. I have not done it, but you guys have. And so if I'm going to be a part of the team, I'll have to go through this initiation. Uh, there Kevin are did, worse initiations than this. Kevin did two cups, didn't you? Didn't you do it twice? I, you liked it then. I had two plops. So you plops. liked it. So you kind of liked it? Um, 
It was a little bit chunkier than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, the chunkiness very cur- curdling very quickly. Yeah, it Ooh. turned it turned fast. Yeah, Ooh. it would rise to the top. <laughs> you guys are really, very, very. You guys quickly. are really selling it to me. Yeah, that'll be stu- coming up here. What a stupid thing for Levis to do to get his name out there. It's not a great mess. In less Ooh. than a month. Ooh. Good Wednesday morning to you again. Supposed to be a gorgeous day here in Indianapolis. Certainly enjoy it if you can. I am Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton with us as always. Thank you for tuning in to the wake up call. KB and Andy right here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, your Morning Checkdown reminder, Stephen Holder going to be joining us top of the 8 o'clock. Our Indiana winners last night, the Hoosiers 69-63 over Florida Gulf Coast. Obviously, we talked a lot in that first segment. Opening night struggles. Here's head coach Mike Woodson. And I mean, the things I look at is, you know, from a defensive standpoint, I mean, we hold them to 63 points, and that's kind of in the ballpark where we want to be from a defensive standpoint. But it was all the miscues on the backside of our defense that we just weren't executing. And I got to I gotta get that fixed and clean it up because we were pretty good the last two years in that regard. And, you know, free throws, I mean – that dog, they free, man. You know, we just got to step up to the line and make them. I mean, that's the difference in winning and losing games a lot of nights. And we weren't very good tonight shooting them. Yeah, defensive rotations. Uh, I thought the half-court offense, very, very sluggish to say the least. Uh, they certainly got to the line a whole lot. Uh, but could not capitalize there enough. Survive Florida Gulf Coast, down 6 of 10 to go. Mike Woodson takes a timeout, 14-0 run after that, uh, and then able to withstand, I guess, a flurry of a run there in the final kind of 90 seconds of the game. Uh, Indiana next up with Army this weekend. Uh, tonight, inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, it'll be the Pacers and the Utah Jazz. We play this game quite often. Boys, who is the head coach of the Utah Jazz? <laughs> I know Larry Markkinen's on the team. I know Kelly Olynyk's on the team. So this was my thought when the question entered my mind last <laughs> Jerry night. Jerry Sloan. Because I, don't, I, I did not know the answer, first off. But the one thing I thought was... I feel like his name was reminiscent of a book that I read growing up. Does that help you at all? It helps me absolutely none. I have no idea. I'm not going to fake it. Matt Christopher books. I don't know if you guys were familiar with those. You know, Johnny plays second base. Come on, Mark. I feel your brain going. Hardy Boys. Is that where you're leaning? Hardy Boys? The Hardy Boys. Okay, so who's the coach who has the first name Hardy or the last name Hardy? Will Hardy, the Will head coach Hardy. of the Utah Jazz. Good for him. Should Take be Jeff you. Hardy. Taking over for, for Quinn Snyder. Were you a Hardy Boys book reader, Mark? I was a Hardy Boys fan in wrestling. Yeah, I was about to say, Matt come on. And Jeff. Yeah, you know where Jumping Mark... Jumping off everything. You know where Mark was going with that. I did see the Hardy Boys. They're still wrestling, aren't they? Yes. Hardy and, Boys with a Z and they, back in the 90s. And they had a long... Well, they have to with their, <laughs> with their other brother coaching the NBA. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, they, but they look very old now. But well, I yeah, saw they them. are they are old. I, I know. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but they still have the long hair. But now it's like thinning out, where it's like it doesn't look cool anymore. They just kind of look like old guys. Like you guys are still jumping off stuff like this. So who's Will Hardy? Where does he come I, from? I, if I remember correctly, I thought he was like a Stevens assistant okay. in Boston. I could be wrong. On that, but remember, you had like the awkward Quinn Snyder dismissal. Like it was like, wait, wasn't Quinn Snyder like a good coach? And then it was yeah. like, did he leave on his own? And now he's in Atlanta, and Mike Bray's on Atlanta staff. I don't know NBA and head coaches. 
uh, make me confused. Pacers favored by six and a half. Utah two and six on the year, zero and four on the road. After tonight, the five game homestand concludes with the Bucks tomorrow. Yeah, quickly, college football playoff rankings. Week number two, they are out. I kind of thought Georgia beating Missouri, that's a quality, quality win. Hell, Missouri's still number 14 in the country. I thought you could easily make the case to put Georgia at one, but they're not. Ohio State one, Georgia two, Michigan three, Florida State four, Washington five, Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight, Ole Miss nine, Penn State ten. That rounds out your top ten college football playoff. Top ten, they do it every Tuesday. Michigan at Penn State, the marquee game here coming up this weekend. couple other college football items. Were you guys at all degenerately consuming Maction last night? Uh, not at all. The only college football stuff, and we got to talk about it, Purdue and Jeff Brom had a guy who was decoding Michigan signals last uh, last year. It took him 12 man hours every single week. How about that? That sounds like hell. Hopefully Brom took him to Louisville. Maybe that's why they're doing so well this year. Yes, it does sound like hell, but the guy probably got paid a couple hundred grand to do so. Chirp, chirp. Ball State 2017 over Northern Illinois last night. Maction hasn't been a great year for the Fighting Mike News, but a nice win on Tuesday night. And this weekend, I guess, Andy, are you familiar at all with the Monon Bell game? Uh, I am not. Fill me in. Maybe I know what I don't know. Wabash, the 129th meeting, the first one in 1890. I have a feeling Greg Gregstraw will be on the call this weekend for that. One o'clock from Crawfordsville. The winner gets into the D3 playoffs. DePaul undefeated on the year. Love it. Wabash at 7-2. and two. One of those losses to Butler. So, you know, certainly a pretty good season still for the Little Giants. DePaul has won two of three. Wabash at one point and won seven in a row. Uh, but the Tigers have won two of three. And again, they are undefeated on the season. Uh, always an unbelievable atmosphere this year. It'll be in Crawfordsville for that. One o'clock on Saturday afternoon. All right, on the other side, the Colts conversation will continue. Andy, I guess cue up the Jim Mora, right? Are we talking playoffs? Is that what you said here? In my we, opinion, that sucks. No, well, we, we could have talked. One. We could have talked playoffs. <laughs> maybe. We'll, if the Cleveland Browns game is a little bit different. We'll hit on that. Maybe a little positive news on the injury front to a key Colts defender. We'll share that as well. Again, it's a really nice looking Wednesday morning here in Indianapolis. Stephen Holder at 8. Zach Kiefer to talk the Colts in Germany at 9. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5-107.5 The Fan. Stephen Holder going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Zach Kiefer will join us. I don't know if you read Kiefer, one of his last pieces on Blake Martinez. Oh, is that the Pokemon one? (laughs) I don't know what kind of scam this guy got into or into trouble. So Blake Martinez was a above average NFL linebacker. Like he was a good player. Was you know he he maybe made a couple Pro Bowls. He was on two or three different teams. Above average collector of holographics. And and he he sold a Pokemon card for like a couple hundred thousand dollars. He's like, I can make a business out of this. Apparently he was scamming everyone and uh, now he needs money and he's back in the NFL. So I can't wait to to, to find out what reporting went into that. That was a, uh, I say funny, depends who you are. Uh, not funny for him or probably the, the people that he scammed on Pokemon cards. Uh, Mark, you may be dealing this with this. the holographic Charizard no. I purchased. <laughs> are you guys Pikachus are too generic. Are yeah. you guys bracing for, for those sort of collectibles? You still have a few years maybe KB until you start collecting Collecting Pokemon or sure. whatever is popular yeah. at the time. Yeah, I'll I mean, see. I was I, I was obsessed with them. Went oh, to yeah. the foolery in downtown Carmel. I was so excited when I'd walk in there, and oh, hell, 
and open up the pack right there on the counter. <laughs> As soon as they scanned it. Remember when people did the things with their phone where they chased them around? Like people would be uh, walking around downtown Indianapolis. Their cars. I never did yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course you didn't. No, yes. no. You're nope. an adult. You had to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> we had the, uh, I had like my parents had like, the, they found the Pokemon cards we had that I just saved that were in like the book with the plastics so oh, you conserved nice. them. And so I was like, ah, you know, they're like beanie babies. They're not worth anything. So I gave them to my nephew. Oh, no. Literally a week later was when the boom happened. We're like, if you got Pokemon cards, they're worth thousands. You got to pour them in the next family <laughs> function. Hey, buddy, uh, <laughs> yeah. come over here real quick. Yeah. You want to you yeah. go 50-50 on some of this? How old is he now? He's 11. Oh. I was going to say, if he was like 17, you'd say, hey, I'll buy you your first beer for after prom. They're worth, and, uh, they're worth, I need those Pokemon cards. Yeah, they're cards worth 400 back. grand, something stupid like that. So anyway, Kiefer at 9, Stephen Holder coming up at 8 o'clock. Did you see his? Well, Andrew Luck is in D.C. Andrew Luck going to be meeting with White House officials. Really? Uh, as part of, uh, and I guess Biden may, not to get into politics, Biden may even. Uh, I don't know if I like where this is j- going. Join the discussion on college athletes' rights. So I don't know if that's just safety or if it's NIL, but uh, Rod Gilmore of ESPN, uh, Keith Marshall, a former Georgia oh, running I back. I hated Rod Gilmore oh, as an boy, analyst. I, so, but, so many people hated him. Kevin Nagandi of ESPN, Desmond Howard, Ryan. Clark, but Andrew Luck is going to be part of this roundtable, uh, so maybe something comes of Oh, he's that. coaching, right? Palo Alto High School? He was he helping take a, out? He can take a couple days off, though, and it go... It could be uh, tournament time. Go, I mean, we got regionals this, this go, weekend go, here in the go, state go of Indiana. with everyone there uh, in D.C. The war is over. Zaire Franklin, <laughs> what's the latest on him? Yeah, Gus Bradley uh, met the media yesterday and mentioned, you know, in talking about the bigger role for Sagoon Alubi. Uh, this past weekend, uh, that basically that was kind of a late in the week sort of move. Zaire Franklin, they felt like had a chance to play last week, and it kind of took a turn the other way. Late in the week, uh, they thought he would go uh, for I think a large portion of last week, but things changed. He did not practice at all last week. Uh, they ended up downgrading him to doubtful on Saturday, and he missed his first NFL game. So you could probably look at that one of two ways. Andy leading into this New England game, one. Um, you could be optimistic and say, well, you know, he was very close to playing last week. He should be ready to go this week. Or did the turn, did, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, did it get worse? Did he try and test it out in some sort of rehab? And now all of a sudden you look at the bye week coming up next week and say, hey, uh, eight hour flight, nine hour flight, this might be the best thing just to hold him out. So obviously that'll be a big one to watch. Josh Downs as well, leading into the, the, this week. I did want to mention one thing going back to the Leonard. Debate, if if you don't mind. Again, we talked a lot about this last Friday when Shaquille Leonard made the comments. And basically, you can look at Leonard, and it's now 10 straight games that he hasn't recorded You know, a turnover, uh, pass broken up. He's got, I think, just two tackles for losses in that stretch. You can look at it one of two ways. One, his role has changed, and that is the reason why he's not making those plays. Or two... Um, he's not the same player, and the multiple back surgeries last year has obviously a big part to do with it. He would say the role. Mm-hmm. That's where he would go with mm-hmm. I think he made that very clear last week. My counter to that would be this, Andy. Who is replacing Shaquille Leonard when he goes off the field? We know Zaire Franklin plays every snap. So when Shaq Leonard goes off, EJ Speed comes on the field. Right. So EJ Speed is theoretically playing the same role that Shaquille Leonard is playing. If you look at these last 10 games for each of them, um, again, for Leonard, it's no fumble, no fumble recovery, no interception, two tackles for loss, no pass broken up. So you add all that up, 
and you label all those splash plays, uh, he's got two of them in his last 10 games. EJ Speed's got 13. And EJ Speed's playing a, fra- less a fraction than Leonard. Yeah, a fraction. Um, right. I looked it up yesterday. It's, a, it's almost 100 less snaps than Leonard over the last 10 game sample size. So again, that would be my counter to him of saying, I don't think it's strictly just role because the guy that's playing the same role as you, when he is getting less playing time, he's making more splash plays, significantly more 13 to two. If you want to break that down. Um, And it's unfortunately, I feel awful for the dude. I mean, it's, you know, nerve damage and they couldn't properly diagnose it. And I mean, this goes back to probably 2019, 2020 and, it's been an inability, I think, just to play at the same high, high level that obviously he once was. So, uh, again, for me, uh, it's much more to not strictly roll, much more to do with injury than roll. Yeah, I mean, they would say, you know, you could make you could make the argument that, you know, given that, given that his role has changed, the opportunity, especially the opportunity on third down, right? Didn't he even say that? When you're yeah, not but- on the field for the money down on third down, you have less opportunity, but they don't think you have it in you to create those Which opportunities. Which I agree with Gus Bradley. I, like, I, I would rather have I too. EJ speed in those opportunities. And even if you look at Leonard's career, Andy, first and second downs, he still was making a lot of splash plays. Honestly, a lot of his turnovers came on those early downs with that. Um, so, again, we'll continue to monitor Zaire Franklin heading into this week. It'll just be a walkthrough today for the Colts. Uh, their first practice will be tomorrow. And then they'll be out on the pitch, right? Out, out on the soccer out on the fields. Pitch Friday. <laughs> out on the pitch. I love I love Milady Lowe's like, yeah, you know, uh, yesterday from the Colts she was on, she's like, well, you know, the facilities for these soccer players, uh, they're not quite as big a guys as, you know, DeForest Buckner. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. think there are some questions from the NFL about the facilities in Frankfurt. Oh, goodness. They're going to be jammed in the a locker room. A little bit different. Again, yeah. I mean, Wembley Stadium is a world world-class Olympic venue. 90,000 seats. Sure. It's uh, famous. Is it Deutsche Bank Park? Is that where the game is yeah, on I Sunday? Believe, I believe so, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. 50,000. Pronouncing that there. right in I everything. Mean, Look at you. I mean, 50,000, that's... I mean, that's what? Small small SEC? I mean, that's small Big Ten. Oh, yeah. How many does... Yeah. It, Mark, look that up. How many does ross Aid and Memorial Stadium hold? I'd be curious what Indiana and Purdue are compared to... The Tiller Tunnel. The Tiller Tunnel. I a, you know, a guy called me out over that. Uh, I wanted to bring this up as well. 239-1070. Again, Stephen Holder will join us uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, it says 13,500. That no, that's not, that's right. not right. That's got to be the, that, that's the basketball no, no, no. We arena. We football stadium. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, the basketball That's how many typically <laughs> shows up, but we <laughs> want <laughs> overall capacity. No, uh, here it is, 61,441. Oh, goodness. For the football stadium. IU or Purdue? Purdue. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. about right. Like a small college so, yeah, football stadium is going to be small. I mean, I'm trying to think the oh, last yeah, time the Colts played in this small of a venue. Remember the one year that um, that the Chargers played in the soccer oh, stadium? Oh, yeah. I totally remember that. I love when that stuff happened. That was, and the what, Colts 22? The, for some reason, I was thinking it was like 19 or 20. Did the Bears play somewhere I, funny I it was one the year? First yeah, they played Colts at, game of the season. They played at University of Illinois. Yeah, renovating Soldier Field. Yeah, that's what it was. They played at uh, where the Illini played. There, that, that that's 
that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that blue. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, the I blue wanted, and it sucked. <laughs> I wanted. To, I just wanted to throw this out there. So ESPN does this every year, uh, every week, I should say. Where you know, I mean, teams win, teams lose, and so all the odds change with everything. Uh, if you look at it right now, the Indianapolis Colts KB have a seventeen point two percent chance to make the playoffs, and that's about fair, don't you? I mean, just kind of eyeballing it, where they are. They're not going to win the AFC South. We see that Jacksonville is right now, even though I was wrong on this. Jacksonville's living up to the preseason kind of expectation after a few rocky weeks to begin the season. Uh, and so at 4-5 and five right now, the projected win total, looking at the schedule and how Indy's playing, is that they would be eight, essentially 8-9. Eight and nine, 8.1 to 8.9. And so I have two questions on this, and I know one of them Colts fans may not like, and I'm not sure about the other. And I hate to do the what if, and you know, and there's so many 50-50 games in the NFL, but we would all agree, even though a lot went into that game, and this is probably something you don't want to do, but that damn Cleveland Browns game, Kevin Bowen, that Cleveland Browns game... If I went, sounded like my mother and, there. And if I went, and if I changed that call at the end, was it Speed that made the play? Was it Speed that made the play? I'm trying to remember who made uh, the yes, play. EJ okay, Speed it was EJ. Play. We uh-huh. were just talking about him. On okay, the strip of PJ Walker. It, absolutely. If the EJ Speed play, which was a missed call per the NFL and Jim Mersey, that was a missed call. If I went back and I I, I tell you everything in that game, all of the, the turnovers and the busted coverages and the setting up Cleveland for easy, well, I shouldn't say easy, but setting them up for field goals and Miles Garrett with the block kick and Miles Garrett and the terrible management at the end of the first half from Shane Steichen. Like, I'm saying all of I'm saying Shane Steichen cost you 10 points at the end of the first half. If I just if I just give you all of that and I say the very end of that game, if that bang bang play which very well could have been called differently was actually called a fumble, they pick up the flags, the Colts run off the field and right now the Indianapolis Colts were 5 and 4 on the year, I contend the chance of them making the playoffs and, and just looking at just looking at the numbers of other teams. I mean, KB, the Chargers right now have a forty nine point one percent chance of making the postseason. They're four and four on the season. If you told me that the Colts were five and four on the season with the Titans and the Bucks and some of the teams, you know, their schedule hasn't been a murder's row. There's a chance that on these stats, they're well above 45 percent chance to make, we understand the AFC's better than the NFC, to make the playoffs, okay? So that's number one is if that play were different and they could go on the road here in Germany and get to 6-4 and four and take care of the New England Patriots, my God, how we would be talking about this team, especially on the bye week. The second thing that I wanted to bring up with all of this was... If they do, now you pick them, i got to give you credit if this happens. You pick them to win seven games. I pick them to win five games this season. If the ESPN predictor works out, and you could even do this with a seven win, a seven and ten win team, given that you've had Minshew injuries, young team, cornerbacks not up to par, everything that we've thrown out there. But if they ever won like eight games and they were a nine, 
that would be okay. That would be frustrating, right? It'd be frustrating because you're you, you really didn't win anything, and your draft stock would be low. But the flip side of that is. I mean, you would be able, and would I be an idiot to sell you the Colts next season if they're 8-9 and nine with getting very little from Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, we can admit that. You got very little from He got a couple games. You yeah, win I every game. You win every. I, you win the Rams game. I don't think he's start and finish to win. No, I mean, I'm again, one. again, it's not like every time he played, you won the game. Like, no, he played the entire Rams game. You lost that game. And so, you know, I'm just looking at it. Coming up with Colts stuff, we're sitting here on this Wednesday. It's a little of what could have been and I go to that Cleveland game and I know there are other games you can go to I know the Rams game went to overtime the bad first half and everything else but I go to that Browns game because that was so heartbreaking it had bad management uh, by the coach it had the quarterback doing some some silly things the offensive line doing silly things and at the end it had the refs the NFL refs doing silly things and then I don't know man I, I I'm trying to find out if, if this season if they can win seven or eight games, while that could be seen as frustrating, if that can be a jump board, a, 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 is it a springboard? Can be a springboard to next year if you have your quarterback and if they make two or three critical moves in the offseason to shore up a couple things. I wouldn't hold your breath there. And I'm not holding my breath. And we know they want to build through the draft and everything else. I I guess I'm trying to present, hey, there is a positive scenario here with the Colts, even though it doesn't always feel like that's the case this season. The Colts are the big spenders in free agency. (laughs) They go out and get four guys. I'll go back to the first point. And this is part of me as a fan. And I've done this, honestly, with Notre Dame this year. I can't tell you how many Notre Dame fans say to me, man, if we we should have beat Ohio State. Right, I mean, that, right. we, I'm like, did you not see 4th and 16 against Duke when Sam Hartman ran for 17 yards on 4th and 16? What was your win percentage before <laughs> that snap? Sure, sure. And so I play that game with the Colts. I get the whatever, the, the crying, the moaning, the groaning over the Cleveland game. I understand. Do we forget the Baltimore game? Right. Yeah. Where and they, you, the the and, refs ignored a pass interference. And I felt this way about the Colts last year. So many people were like, man, they were four, They won four games, but they easily could have won seven. I'm like, do you not remember how the four wins happened? Stephon Gilmore saved the day at the end of uh, the Raiders game, the Denver game, the Kansas City game, easily could have gone the other way. Like, I'm just kind of a believer that over the course of 17 games, it evens out. It works itself out. And whatever, college football over the course of 12 games – could Notre Dame have beaten Ohio State? Sure. Is Notre Dame much more of a 9-3 and football team? Yeah. But the Browns game is the one that the fans right, are going again, to cry about the absolute most all season probably. And again, in Baltimore, they're probably crying about what happened in week three and the lack of a call on EJ Speed in overtime that would have put Justin Tucker in you know Justin Tucker automatic range in a win of that game. So I guess I don't play that game as much. Um, to your second point, Andy, on eight, eight or nine, I, I, I do think you would... I guess this goes back to some of my Richardson thoughts from whatever, a month ago when the season was over. The two Richardson thoughts I had kind of walking away from the season officially being over and probably how I'm going to look at this 2023 season. I think the the returns on him can be better earlier than I thought. Like he showed me like, man, boy, when he's out on the field, 2024 could be something. And I would have viewed maybe 2024 as more of a, uh, you know, can you get to, you know, right around 500, something like that? That would be a successful season with him. The flip side of that would be, you know, how long do you have him? 
How long do you have him at this playing style? What's the career window? And again, it's not to do with the shoulder. I, I don't necessarily lose sleep over the shoulder. It's more of the amount of hits he took and the fact that he had four different injuries and um, you know what does his playing style and how does that impact things moving forward there. So uh, there's part of me that looks at eight, looks at eight or nine wins, Andy, and thinks you know Gardner Minshew finishing off all eight or nine of those wins. Like, does that? lead to tangible results for 2024. Uh, I, I don't know That's the answer where to that. I'm a little yeah. like torn on it. Sure. But again, I think overall Richardson showed you enough. Some of the questions you had, would your O-line get back to being hell competent. They weren't competent last year. They've been better than competent, I think. Okay? That's a positive. And that's question. without Braden Smith the last month. And, you know, Kenny Moore as an individual, very poor last season. Could he get back to his normal self? I would say the answer is overwhelmingly yes, assuming that you re-sign him. You know, I think Michael Pittman has taken a step forward. Uh, you know, Bernard Ryman, you feel very positive about. Now, on the flip side, you know, Quiddy Pay, Shaquille Leonard, you know, there are still some question marks. Alec Pierce, uh, you know, there are still some question marks that you have. But at a few other key areas, non-Richardson quarterback related, I think you're encouraged about. And that's why... You know, I sit here and, you know, obviously we'll talk a lot about this coming up in the offseason, but I do think 2024 can be a little bit more. Having said that, we have to acknowledge the 2024 schedule does look different. Right. I mean, you're, you're playing, you know, Tua and Josh Allen in your own building. Look at the quarterbacks that you played in your own building this year. Look at the quarterbacks in general on the schedule. It's a little different. And the, and the AFC year. South could be better. I mean, if the, if the Texans yeah. oh, continue yeah. to climb, if Will Levis is you know kind of the answer there, and if Jacksonville continues to be Without you know, question, a double-digit win yeah. football team. And you aren't playing the NFC South next year like you are this year as well. All right, on the other side, Stephen Holder, a lot to get to with him. Uh, and uh, Zach Kiefer coming up at 9 o'clock to talk about his experience in Germany. O'clock hour hanging out with you, KB and Andy, Mark Dyton as well. Drivehubler.com studios reminder tonight back to back for the Pacers game. One of that back to back Pacers and Jazz uh, right down the street at Gamebridge 630. Our coverage beginning on the fan. The Colts back in action. That's going to be an early wake up call for, for the boys. 630. Our coverage here on the fan kickoff 930 over there in Germany. And to talk about that and other news and notes happening with the Colts, it's Stephen Holt from ESPN, ESPN.com, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Uh, we're doing fantastic here. I guess let's go backwards before we go to the game against the Patriots on Sunday. Uh, I guess for you, what was the bigger takeaway? Was it the defense, uh, Buckner, Kenny Moore having such nice games, or was it the fact that the offense had under 200 total yards that you took away from the win over Carolina on Saturday, or excuse me, on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was kind of a weird game. I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> it depends on if you're half full or half uh, empty kind of person, I guess. Um, I, I'll start with, though. Look, that, those were really dynamic performances by both two guys that you mentioned, uh, Kenny Moore and DeForest Buckner. I mean, with Kenny Moore, what I loved about it was I, I actually think he's quietly had a very good season. But if you've only kind of half paid attention, you might not have noticed that. Honestly, we've talked a lot about the corners being terrible, and so I, I would understand why people might not have that impression, but he really has had a good season. What he hasn't had is the big plays. And so that was finally, I think, the, the, the full picture. You know, Kenny Moore 
being good in coverage and, and impacting the game, but also uh, doing it in a very obvious and, and a grand fashion, you know, with actual two touchdowns. So, so that was good to see. It was a payoff for him. And, I, you know, happy for him. It's contract here for him, too. So maybe he's making himself some money here, by the way. And then I would mention the Forrest Buckner also not quietly, I guess, having a very good season, by the way, <laughs> because he is week after week after week just he's killing people. I mean, if people aren't watching this guy, they really have to pay attention. He is destroying people on a weekly basis, despite being in the top 10 in the NFL in double teams, which I checked this week. So, anyway, he's special. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, he had a key pressure there on the first interception for Kenny Moore as well and kind of getting that interior of the pocket pushed into Bryce Young. Again, Stephen Holder with us here from ESPN.com. Stephen, one more from me uh, based off last week's game, and that would be the offensive performance, particularly after halftime. You know, it seems like in a way Shane Steichen and even Jim Bob Cooter yesterday have both said, like, you know, we kind of called the game knowing that we didn't really need to do much more, and I'm paraphrasing (laughs) there. I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) you know, if Kenny Moore drops that pick, let's say he drops the second (laughs) interception, Carolina makes that a one possession game. It's either 20 to 13 or 2017. And oh boy, I mean, it is game pressure galore. It almost seems like, I, I don't know, like the offense is being let off the hook a little bit. And I'm like, I mean, shouldn't there be an element of you step on their throat when you get the opportunity to? Yeah, I, I would say I would agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that they, I don't know that they uh, were ever in jeopardy of losing, but. But I agree. I, I think it's funny because there have been some times this year where Shane Steichen has been, I thought, maybe even overly aggressive. <laughs> you know, and, and they're, I would say they they did take their foot off the, the pedal. I would say that's true. Um, part of it, I wonder, I wonder, part of it is maybe Steichen is just trying to, to not put his quarterback in difficult situations. And, you know, we went through this before a couple years ago with, with Carson Wentz, you know, to be completely honest, where there were times Frank Reich was calling the game completely out of character for him. And why was he doing that? Because he was afraid of his quarterback screwing things up. And so that's kind of a really unfortunate reality, but but I think there's there may be some of that here. No one said that, certainly not not Shane Steichen, but but that's something that I've wondered watching these, these games. I mean, what they have done, in, in playing this way is, you know, Steichen has, and, and Gardner Minshew, they've cut down on the turnovers. That's for sure. So there's that. So maybe it all sort of evens out in the end. I mean, I've looked at it. When they when they do lose the turnover battle, their, their results have been very poor. Um, they've had the upper hand when they have won the turnover battle. So I don't know. Uh, there may be some of that at play here. Again, Stephen Holder with us here from ESPN. Stephen, we saw Sammy Watkins work out for the Colts earlier in the week. We also saw Josh Downs uh, exit early with a knee injury against Carolina. He was a little banged up last week. We saw him with a knee injury in the offseason. He actually missed a good amount of time there in the spring um, with a knee injury. Uh, Do you make anything of any sort of correlation between a Watkins workout? I think there was another receiver involved in that workout and the injury situation with Josh Downs. I think you have to connect some dots there, yeah, for sure. Uh, he was struggling with this coming into the game. 
it, it certainly didn't get better. It got worse because he couldn't finish the game. So uh, you have to have a concern there. And then really even beyond that, uh, they have been concerned about depth at wide receiver uh, even without Josh Downs' injury. You know, they, they have been one injury away at that position of uh, being in a really tough spot, in my, in my opinion. Uh, they were able to get by in this game you know, with Isaiah McKenzie being your, your fourth guy. Uh, but, you know, they're in a situation where, I mean, guys can't even really take much of a break, <laughs> you know, because they don't have any depth. I mean, they, they would normally, I, I think if, if a guy like, you know, Aston Doolin or so, you know, maybe was healthy, you might see a little more rotation at wide receiver, you know, particularly when it's uh, certain routes that, that fit certain guys and, and certain matchups and that kind of thing. They can't even do that right now because they basically have been playing with three receivers, and that's it. And that's basically all they've played with for, for the majority of this season. Uh, that is a tough way to live, and it, it gives you no margin for error or injury. So I, I think even if Josh Downs is 100%, they probably should be looking. Well, think about this, Stephen, and Stephen Holder with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Downs is dealing with an injury. You know, McKenzie had the fumble, but McKenzie hasn't done much anyway. You're right. We talk about the offense. I think he had two catches, 12 yards on Sunday. And we forget Michael Pittman, Stephen, took that massive hit and came right back into the game. I mean, most right. of the time you'd see a guy exit the field there for an extended period of uh, of the time or not come back. And that's not the first time Pittman's taken a massive hit this season. And Alec Pierce plays a lot of snaps but never gets targets or catches the ball at all. Their wide receiver position is confusing to me. It really is. Yeah, well, thank goodness, as you said, for, for Michael Pittman's yeah. toughness. and Or maybe it's just luck, honestly, because I thought for sure uh, he might have a, a concussion there or at least symptoms of a concussion. They did check him, to be clear, and, and he was cleared. So apparently uh, he was all right to go. But, yeah, they dodged the bullet for sure. And, you know, they could have been in a tough spot. Let's say, God forbid, let's say that was a concussion. Um I mean, think about that. You know, with Downs hurt, and then, and then an issue with Michael Pittman. I mean, they would be. I mean, most teams would be in trouble if if your top two receivers were hurt. Don't get me wrong, but they don't even have the ability to to even like put competent players on the field without with that situation. So I don't know. I, I just think it's it's a really tough spot at that position right now, and I I can see why they're looking, and I think they should be looking. Again, every snap played for Alec Pierce on Sunday and no catches. Stephen Holder is with us here from ESPN. Stephen, I guess we're kind of at the midway point of the season. You know, Maybe just past it if you want to get technical. Two guys on rookie contracts that play critical positions that I wanted to keep an eye on entering this year. One Bernard Ryman, one Quiddy Pay. I'd say my confidence level on Ryman at left tackle moving forward is about a solid eight. I, I, I really feel like um, the second year has gone well for him. Obviously, Miles Garrett and Josh Allen have made a couple plays. They also make a couple plays against a lot of team or a lot of tackles in the league. My Quiddy Pay confidence level is not at an eight. How would you view those two as they both enter kind of critical junctures of their careers at left tackle and edge rusher? Yeah, I agree. It was a big year for both of those guys, or is a big year for both those guys. Uh, I think Raymond. I'll start with him. I I like what I've seen. I mean. To get a, a left tackle who looks competent in the third round, that's a win. That just is. And and I know, you know, we, we can talk a lot about Chris Ballard, 
and and we have and we will <laughs> but <laughs> we will but I do think I will give them credit like that has worked out and and I know it wasn't perfect last year was rough okay let's be honest last year was rough but I mean how many how many really productive left uh, rookie left tackles have you even seen right I mean come on right? and they so, knew that drafting him I mean he only played tackle for two years at Central Michigan right it was a complete you know sort of roll of the dice and and it wasn't Last year was not going to tell us much. This was always, I thought, the, the year that would be the telltale on Bernard Raymond. And I like what I've seen. I, I think he's your left tackle. And if he is your left tackle for the next five years, I think everybody in that building's fine with it. So that's a, that's a great thing to be able to say because that's a, a position that was unstable just for about, what, two or three years, and that was a rough couple of years. So that's good. Now, could he pay um, – it's a different story, as you said. I think with Quiddy, it's not so much that he's a bad player. He's not a bad player. In fact, he does make plays. The problem is the plays are intermittent, and that's my issue. And, and like we talked about last week, it's also about how you view him. If you, if you want him to be, you know, sort of this bendy sort of uh, freak, uh, you know, rushing uh, defensive end, well, he's probably not that guy. Now, if you're judging him by that standard, then he then he's failed. If you're judging him by the standard of being a guy who's a really solid guy and, and setting the edge and, and being good against the run, oh, well, yeah, he's done that. He's also brought some pass rush, too. I will give him that. But but I I just think that's not something that he does on a regular basis. And, and it's also not what they're asking him to do um, he's not the featured pass rusher in this defense, which probably suggests they don't think he can be that, which is not a great thing. So, anyway, I guess it's a long way of saying he's a good, not great player. And I think when you talk about a first rounder, you're looking for you're looking for great if you can get it, you know. And and I just don't know that that's going to be the case here, unfortunately. If they draft back end of the top 10, you know, anywhere 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, we'll see what happens. Because, uh, again, I think, you know, ESPN, you guys have them, their predictor to win eight games. You know, they could win at least seven games, go 7 and 10 this season. In the draft, is Edge the number one priority in your mind, Stephen? I think it should be pretty high. You know, I just think that, you know, look at the the recent games that we've talked about where the, where the cornerbacks have been at issue. I agree they were at issue. But part of the problem and, and part of it that we haven't talked about enough is the pass rush just hasn't been consistent enough. They have had some, some very productive pass rush games. Uh, Sunday would be one of those, I thought. You know, they, they did get after Bryce Young a bit. But a lot of that was the Forrest Buckner. But, but even beyond Sunday, They've had some games where they've got after the quarterback. What I would say, though, is they've taken advantage of some bad offensive lines, and everybody does that. I get it. But, but there's just sometimes there are some moments when you just got to have it. You've got to have some pressure on big plays, and those are the plays that decide games, period. They absolutely decide games. And the Colts, they haven't gotten that pressure in those moments because the, the Forrest Buckner gets double-teamed, and and then the other guys they don't win their one on ones, and and that's just you know that's going to happen. But those third downs, those third and longs, I mean, you've got to you don't have to get a sack, but you've got to affect the quarterback. And there have just been too many instances, I think, where they have not been able to do that. Uh, Samson 
Abukum has been, I think, good, not great. Um, I mean, his numbers are good. He's, I know that uh, analytically he, he measures pretty well. But I, I think at those moments that I'm talking about, I mean, I haven't seen enough of him make those splash plays when they really got to have it. And that's kind of been my issue. Steven, last one for me, and again, Steven Holder, ESPN, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Obviously, one of the bigger national news items from yesterday with the Colts tie on it would be Carson Wentz joining the Rams. Um, I find it a bit fitting that now he's backing up Matthew Stafford, and I think back to the 2021 offseason when, you know, at the time it was, you know, Stafford and Wentz as to the two most popular talked about quarterbacks. Of course, uh, the Stafford trade to the Rams, the Wentz trade here to Indianapolis. What do you recall about that and any potential interest the Colts might have had in Matthew Stafford? So this is it's a very interesting. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I love that point. That is so interesting. So here's here's what we know. I don't believe that Chris Ballard was was very intrigued by, by Matt Stafford. Um, I don't think he was a big Matt Stafford guy. Here's the interesting part, and maybe there's some revisionist history here. I don't know. But I'm just telling you what I, what I was told. I've heard in recent months that Frank Reich actually was very much in favor of getting Matt Stafford. Now... I have no idea that even if he could have convinced Chris Ballard to do it, I have no idea that the Colts could have put together a competitive offer when you compare what, what the Lions were able to do. You know, I just, I don't know. They were able to take Jared Goff, you know, back, and, and I think that was a big part of that. But, um, look, all I can tell you is I, I, the pecking order for Frank Reich, as it was told to me, that offseason was Matthew Stafford and then Carson Wentz. Hmm. And, and the other thing to, to note here is that when Chris Ballard went into that trade, into those trade talks uh, with the Eagles, you know, the, the question was always like, you know, how far do you go to get him? And, and I guess we'll never know what was truly happening behind the scenes there. I mean, there was talk the Bears were involved and all that. We'll never know the truth, I don't think. But I, the question will always be, did he go too far? I think I, I understood the trade at the time, and I know it's easy to, to rip it now. I understood it at the time. You know, they were taking a shot. I got it. But they did give up a lot, and that's true. And it, and it did hamstring them uh, from, from making a, a bigger move the following year, to be completely honest. Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, I want to get you out with this one. This is an odd two-parter. These have nothing to do with each other, but I wanted to just throw both your way because I want your thoughts. Uh, number one, how do they beat New England on Sunday uh, there in Germany? I'm all about operation. Get to 5-5, five and five, get the bye week, get some of these guys like Downs healthy, uh, and then a winnable game in back in Lucas Oil in a couple weeks against Tampa. And what did you make about the awkward position Shane Steichen was in to kind of hold up Jim Ursay when Jim Ursay was dancing oh, he was the Meek Mill. Hand. He, he was, was kind of holding, holding his hand. He was holding his hand, holding him up. It was a very uh, Shane was smiling, but he was in an awkward spot there for a few seconds. Sweaty palms. <laughs> well, I'll take that one first, frankly, because that's just too good. Uh, I it was like your grandma holding your hand really tight, you know. And when you were like, you know, twelve years old, you're like, Grandma, you don't got to hold my hand. Come on, man, yeah. you know. 
it's like my grandma used to do that in the subway because <laughs> she lived in New York. She lived in Brooklyn. And you know, hold my hand in the subway. like, nope, people will push you in those tracks. And it's like, come on, man. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm a kid. No one's going to push me in the tracks. So, anyway, that was so oh, stupid. I, never, I could never understand that. I miss her, but, like, what the hell was she talking about? Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was that was bizarre, <laughs> as, a, as a lot of things tend to be, <laughs> to say. Uh, as far as the uh, – uh, I, I I completely forgot the other question. The Patriots. How do they beat the yes. crappy Patriots and Mac Jones? Yes. The real question. Yes. Now look, I think the the way you beat the Patriots is you just prevent, you know, just keep everything in front of you and just you know don't let don't let uh, you know, Mac Jones somehow some way you know make big plays. I I think that's kind of what they did, you know, to the, to some degree with with Bryce Young the other day, and. You know, look, I mean, the Patriots, they don't have a lot of explosiveness. So, I mean, if you keep everything in front of you, you're going to have to make them go, you know, chip away at you and, and, and kind of go the hard way. I think that's what they'll do. And, and they'll probably try to run the ball. And we'll see. I mean, I, I, don't, I haven't gotten a good look at the Patriots' defense this year. But, I, I mean, I do, I do, I do kind of uh, look forward to seeing what Bill Belichick does because you know one thing look they're not a great team but the one thing they still do is they they try to game plan specifically to the opponent and and they'll do that you know so i think they'll try to they'll probably try to prevent the run because they know that's that's where the colts are are strong and they'll probably try to force gardner Minshew to make some plays so we'll see which which battle of wins or wills i should say wins out and and that'll be sort of the the subplot I'm looking for in that game. Yeah, they are the second ranked run defense this season, so I would say that's the biggest 180 from last week in Carolina. And yeah. Carolina did a nice job, mm-hmm. obviously taking away the run. I think that's probably where the biggest concern lies heading into Sunday. All right, Stephen, we will uh, see you here in a bit up at uh, the Colts Complex. Thanks as always for the time, man. All right, see you guys. Stephen Holder right there on the Payless Liquors hotline again. We kind of mentioned the Matthew Stafford stuff earlier in the show of you know Chris Bauer not being um, a fan or I should say as big of a fan, willing to you know whatever shell out uh, the extra first round pick. Why do you think to... that was? Just he didn't like Stafford. I mean, yeah, I don't I know if they little, could have given uh, enough to get Stafford, but why didn't he like Stafford? I guess I think a little NFC North history. Okay, um, you know Ballard. Uh, being a uh, area scout with the Bears for quite some time, I've never really understood that line of thinking. To be honest with you, and this isn't necessarily Ballard related, but like when you hear NFL scouts or GMs use like their record against another player, I'm like, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into uh, why that player might have a poor record against your team. And I think we all looked at Stafford's career in Detroit, and it was like, if he were somewhere else, he'd have more success. So I, I I never really kind of understood that uh, line of oh, thinking. He was seen as the crown jewel there, as carrying that organization. Right, as right. if he went to a number of different places, yeah, they'd be sinking and, if they well, didn't. And have then him. he went to a place and they won the Super Bowl. I mean, I know he had had you know his downfalls, injury issues. You know, as a fantasy quarterback with Detroit, he'd always get you those fourth quarter dump off passes, which would be fantastic. I am the thing that I'm stunned working here now and being out of the market, but just an hour and twenty minutes down. Down the road, I don't understand the. And listen, I just don't understand the Carson Wentz stuff. Well, and I, I, I just, I just don't get it. Obviously, Frank Reich was a fan of Carson Wentz, but I think, and Stephen brought it up a little bit there. I think there's this misconception that they wanted nothing to do with 
Matthew Stafford because Frank was so in on Wentz. And, and I think Steven is correct. It was actually Ballard that was anti-Stafford and that trade package. I mean, I do sure. want to act like it was it a lot to just, give up. Yeah, certainly it was a lot to give up. Uh, and then certainly there was some confidence in Frank with you know Carson that they could resurrect him. The other thing I did want to mention was about Quiddy Pay. You know, they draft him 21st overall. It, to me. You know, Quiddy has been a really solid run defender. You know, very solid, especially for a defensive end. You don't spend the 21st overall pick on edge setters, on, you know, strong run defenders. You spend it on a pass rusher thinking that guy can be a double-digit sack guy for you. And there was a lot of projecting with Quiddy. You know, if you looked at his career at Michigan, Andy, for his career, he had 11 and a half sacks in college. I mean, that is a small number to be drafted 21 overall and I know he had a little bit of a shortened season there with the Big Ten in that COVID year but still um, you know 11 and a half sacks over four years three and a half if you want to look at you know maybe games played something like that uh, that is a very small number you know what you know Ballard and the Colts thought was he's got these elite testing traits and his quickness um, is going to turn him into you know a stronger pass rusher etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think it's fair to say we haven't seen that yet um, you know, he did have a half sack on Sunday, uh, but that's it that he's had, I think, in the last five games. I think that's the only quarterback hit he's had in the last five games as well. So I think it's a very important second half of the season for Quiddy Pay. Again, a pseudo-contract year for him. Uh, the Colts have a decision to make in the spring on if they pick up his fifth-year option or not. So he's played three. Mm-hmm. This is his third season, I should say. He's under contract for next year, so he'll be with the team in 2023. But you have to make a decision for 2024 Coming up in the spring, as of right now, I don't pick up that option. Right, like Daniel Jones didn't have his picked up. Chase Young uh, with the Commanders, and then he eventually got traded. Just thinking of a couple guys, I think Quiddy Pay would be a good guy who would be able to rotate on a really good defense. Does that make sense? Like, if he was with the Chiefs right now, if he was on a good team that had a bunch of defensive linemen, the coaches needed him to stand out. They needed him to be a boom, that not to be a be solid player. That should be how you describe your 21st I, well, no, overall pick. But, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I mean, that, I that's the reality, and I feel like with him... And I, I feel like they know kind of what they have with him. And I feel like with the Shaq Leonard stuff, I think they've kind of made two decisions this season. Have they not on those guys? Like, Leonard, you're not going to get the snaps. It's just the way that it is. You're not going to be in on third down. And Quiddy Pay, you're going to be solid. But we also know that you're not going to get 12 sacks a season for us, right? I mean, hasn't that been admitted this season with some of the stuff that they've done with their actions, if you will? Yeah, and you know that's where you get into the debate of, okay, 2024 draft. And by the way, uh, one week from today, right, Mark? Dane Brugler going to join us? Dane Brugler at 8.30 next Wednesday. So Colts bye week. We'll get into a little bit of draft chatter. Feel like the bye week's a good time to do that. Uh, but that's why I look at edge rusher, Andy, and think uh, I can make a strong argument it should be higher on the list than wide Oh, I, I, think it's, I think it's number corner. one. And, and scarcity of the depth of that position plays into it. As well, uh, I'm going to shut the blinds while you lead off okay. a more. A, a right. morning well, I can down. do that if you'd like. <laughs> well, you got to play music and stuff. <laughs> the morning checkdown. Omaha, 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 Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. 
All right, uh, let's lead off the check down with the Indiana Hoosiers. Winners last night, 69-63, up two and a half. Uh, a late run by Indiana. Then Florida Gulf Coast in the last, what, minute, minute and a half made things close again. But in the end, the Hoosiers are winners. They went small. They brought Gabe Cups in in the later parts of the second half. That moved Xavier Johnson a little bit off the ball. Here's Mike Woodson on his freshman guard. He's a winner. That's the first time I've had a really an opportunity to play he and X some extended minutes, you know, down especially in crunch time. You don't expect that, but I I feel comfortable enough with Gabe in the game. I've seen him enough play, so uh, he's capable of hanging in there and making basketball plays. I thought he was tremendous on both ends. Next up for the Hoosiers, Sunday, 7 o'clock, hosting Army. That's on the Big Ten Network. So if you're a Colts fan and a Hoosiers fan, going to be a long day. Football at 9.30, Hoosiers at 7 o'clock. Yeah, who would have had the freshman finishing the game and being a key piece as Gabe Cups and not McKenzie Ibaco last night? I do think Cleo Ware, uh, you talk about staffing, uh, staffing, stuffing the stat sheet, easy for me to say. Uh, he did that. Uh, 13 points, uh, 12 rebounds for him, uh, four assists, three blocks, two steals. But certainly some shaky moments. And as Mike Woodson, I thought, accurately said afterwards, I've got a lot of work to do. I think that is certainly true with this year's squad. And I guess a nice thing, yes, you do have Connecticut and what, Texas or Louisville, I think is the other game. Uh, coming up next week, or do they play Texas uh, no, no, and then they it, play the winner of Louisville, UConn? No, yeah, yeah, that, that's what it's going to be. So probably you. I mean, yeah, you get UConn, and then you'll probably you may get Louisville, and then it's a couple Big Ten games, and then it's Auburn. By the way, Auburn close game they lost last night. Uh, Auburn played who they play uh, Baylor last night. So shout out to those teams facing off eighty eight eighty two your final there. And let me clarify that one more. A week from Sunday, IU does play UConn. Then they'll play either the winner or loser of Texas Louisville. Obviously, those two teams on two ends of the spectrum. Uh, yeah, Texas, Texas is go- Texas is going to win that game. So if <laughs> just Indiana Texas loses will win that game to UConn, then I guess Indiana <laughs> will play a Louisville team, which Louisville would probably lose to Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, how about by the way, Purdue Fort Wayne? Did you see them? They beat DePaul last night. I did see that. It's yeah, a Big East win for the Mastodon. It is. There. Shout out to them. Uh, FS two that was on. Was I believe. it? Yeah. Uh, swoosh us, Mark. Oh, okay. Uh, Pacers tonight, six and a half point favorite over the Utah Jazz. We made uh, the discovery that Will Hardy, uh, a Hardy brother, is the coach of the Utah Jazz, for those curious. They have so many just like random dudes. It's like, wait, he now plays there? Like, I feel like they have nine of those guys in their team. Yeah, Colin Sexton, Louis Marketin. I was looking at their roster this morning, and they do have a lot of that, yes. But Colin Sexton's Taylor the one Horton I went to. Tucker is a good yeah. friend of Tyrese Halliburton. Who leads Who Iowa leads State. them in steals? Kelly Olenek. Olenek is a jazz? Uh, you damn right he is. Now, he always had the, like, the hair band, right? Oh, yeah. Olenek uh-huh. went with the hair band. There's not many guys. Man bun, maybe? He yeah, had that ugly eye injury, I remember. Ooh, he did have horrifying. that. Horrifying. Yeah. yeah, Chris Dunn's on this team. I mean, John Collins is now a member of the Utah Jazz. <laughs> yes, he is. Kind of like a like a criminal lineup. You're like, oh, these members are the Utah Jazz. Like, what? Yeah, it's a lot Walker of misfits. Kessler. Again, two and six on the year, zero and four on the road. The Pacers will conclude their five-game homestand with a back-to-back tomorrow night, and that would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, 
on a back-to-back coming to uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse. Yeah, quickly, one more for me. A couple different notes. We mentioned Carson Wentz signing with the Rams to be the backup there. Will Levis announced as well uh, as the starter going forward there with Tennessee. And then in the college game, college football playoff rankings out last night. I'll give you the top 10. Ohio State 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3, Florida State 4, Washington 5, Oregon 6, Texas 7, Alabama 8, Ole Miss 9, and Penn State checking in at number 10. Uh, speaking of college football, sh- uh, chirp, chirp to the Maction. That would be Ball State getting a win last night, 2017, over Northern Illinois. Not been a great season for the Cardinals, but they get a win on Tuesday night. And coming up this weekend, it will be the 129th playing of the Mo Non Bell. Wabash always fights. That's Crawfordsville for the game. The undefeated DePaul Tigers and a Liam Thompson, the quarterback for Wabash, has put up some historic, historic numbers through his career. So uh, a lot of attention here locally on that one. Again, undefeated DePaul, 7-2 Wabash. The winner goes to the D3 playoffs. Greg Rakestraw and the ISC folks will have your coverage for that coming up at 1 o'clock on Saturday. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into the Colts conversation. Coming up at 9, Zach Kiefer, he just got back from Frankfurt, Germany. He was at the Dolphins' chief game on Sunday, so we'll look forward to getting his reaction to the sights and sounds of Frankfurt and what all went into that game with the Colts playing there coming up on Sunday. We'll do that here on the other side. Appreciate Stephen Holder joining us. You miss any of that conversation, any of our Colts conversation, open things up with the Indiana Hoosiers. Find it 1075thefan.com. Find the podcast or wherever you download your podcast. Reminder as well, Pacers and Jazz tonight down at Gamebridge, 630 pregame uh, right here on the fan. I always love these. KB looked at me and he goes, he goes, I, he goes I'm going to throw something your way. Yeah. Be ready football-wise. So I'm rubbing my hands together. Let's go. Give it to me. I found this kind of interesting. And again, we're at the midway point of the NFL season. So, you know, last week I did my midseason awards. Yes. And, you know, when you have the awkward 17th game now, it's like, okay, when exactly is the midway point of the season? Is it after the 8th, the ninth game, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. Uh, so, Pro Football Focus, I know a website a lot of people out there uh, enjoy going to. You know, they have whatever. They evaluate each player each week and, you know, put grades on those players. Uh, they came out with their midseason all-pro team. So, first and second teams, okay? Uh, two Colts players made those teams. Both of them actually were second teamers. Care to guess on who the two Colts players well, were that were uh, voted to the All Pro team? I think this is simple, is it not? DeForest Buckner and Zaire Franklin. Like who else would it be? So That's those Franklin, two guys, right? Buckner. Um, the other names that I thought. Uh, how about Kenny Moore? Um, I know yeah. there might be a little recency bias in that. Um, I thought potentially and again this is not just like a statistical of who has the most rushing yards sure. or who has so i thought you know zach moss crack it yeah. you know that was a name and then you know you're always kind of confused with offensive linemen so i was curious about quentin nelson um you know again that's what i think people like about pro football focus it's not a reputation sort of thing you know they are strictly evaluating the film and it's not maybe a pro bowl um, celebrity contest here where you know it's one-third fan vote, one-third player, one-third coach. So the first two you thought of were Franklin and Buckner. Yes. Uh, again, I probably went to those two and then Kenny Moore. Uh, the other couple I briefly thought about <laughs> I'm looking were, at it. I was way wrong. <laughs> were Quentin Nelson and Zach Moss. 
Andy, we've named is, five players. Yeah. Is Matt Gay? We haven't yeah. named a single one of Matt, them. Matt Gay's the one. That's that's on all of us. We should have come Gay on. He won a damn game for him. All pro second teamer. <laughs> How about the first teamer being the guy that you cut for Matt Gay? Or I guess the guy you didn't re-sign for Matt Gay. That's kind of ironic. Uh, Chase McLaughlin is the first teamer. But the other name on the second team all pro list is Ryan Kelly. Mm-hmm. Would not have had that, and obviously. We've talked to so much about Kenny Moore and the bounce back year that he's had. I would say Ryan Kelly certainly qualifies as that. And, you know, I go back to the preseason when Danny Pinter went down with that season ending injury. And when that happened against the Eagles, it was like, oh, man, you know, Pinter wasn't, you know, really competing for any sort of starting job. But, you know, Ryan Kelly has been a bit banged up in his career. Last year, he was very healthy for you. Um, you know, so far this year, he's missed two games. Um, but you know he's been pretty healthy, and just his own backup, and the fact that or I should say his own response to last season, and the domino effect that has as the central guy in that O line dealing with two different quarterbacks, two very different styles of quarterbacks, and him being the centerpiece of you know the two guys left of him, the two guys right of him. Um, I probably haven't done enough of a job in acknowledging that, Andy. So I do think Ryan Kelly deserves. Certainly a pat on the back for what he's done this season. Um, I was one of those that thought to myself, hey, is he any sort of trade candidate, given his age, given the contract? Um, I know, again, you didn't really have the young center waiting in the wings. I guess Danny Pinter maybe would have qualified as that, but even he you know, was a fifth-round pick. Um, but I think when you talk about a group that is certainly taking a 180 from last season, the offensive line for the Colts would qualify as that. And clearly, Pro Football Focus views Ryan Kelly as a huge part of that. Uh, congratulations to Mark Dyke and Jalen Johnson uh, was first team corner. So I know, I know now he's you the cared. guy that wanted to be traded. <laughs> oh yeah, right? damn right, he yeah. thought he was going to be traded. Not wanted. They gave him permission. He thought he was getting the hell out of there. Now go back to Ryan Kelly. You know the interesting thing about him, if you're an outsider looking at this, the guy who's no, the first team is the guy with the podcast who gets all the love, Jason Kelsey. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The offensive line. Is Zaire Franklin, you and yes, Kenny Moore, but Franklin, you know, will be on the team next season. But this offensive line, and I guess getting Jonathan Taylor under contract by far the two biggest positives this season for the Colts. I mean, especially if the Colts feel like they have a left tackle, which I believe everybody feels like they have their left tackle, right? I mean, the offensive line, if they go win eight games or something, you're going to point and say, okay, this offensive line, this running game, with Shane Steichen, get our quarterback healthy, that can be pretty formidable, right? Just that unit right there. I think that's the top thing we learned this season is that O-line. Well, and again, let's go back to you know comment or a conversation we had on Monday of – the Chris Ballard end of season presser. And I thought, you know, Sunday's performance against Carolina kind of backed up that Ballard comment, among other things. And Ballard is certainly on this list, but of reasons why the 2020, 2022 season was such a disaster. Your best players did not play like the money that they receive. And guys like Kenny Moore would be on that list. Guy, I think Ryan Kelly would be on that list. And again, to be fair to Kelly, the man has been through you know, hell off the field. And, you know, he talked with us at training camp about, you know, at one point he was down to like, two, what was it? Did he say 290 pounds? Forget yeah. the exact Something weight. Something crazy. I mean, again, 290 pounds. That's I mean, unbelievable. You've got, you know, yeah. high school offensive linemen that are weighing 290 pounds, certainly college offensive linemen that, that do. So, um, 
when you talk about guys that have bounced back, and obviously, and, and we are a fault of this, there's so much focus that goes to the quarterback position and the new head coach, but in a guy like Kenny Moore and a guy like Ryan Kelly, those two guys, Andy, qualify as they have listened, or they have taken that Chris Ballard, our best players have got to play like uh, best players. Those two guys, I think, have much more lived up to their contracts this season, and that's been critical to you know the Colts being at four and five. And you know, here you are talking about a game on Sunday where a win, and you go into the bye week thinking maybe with a little help you could get back into a wild card picture. Um, and, and I don't think that was a given at the start of the year. Uh, Tyreek Hill uh, is what obviously when you look at offensive players looking at this list, and then a guy we know here at Indianapolis who completely wrecked that game, especially in the first half. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has a PFF grade of ninety three. KB. He's racked up thirty nine pressures and two hundred and nineteen pass rushing attempts. <laughs> Man, they killed that poor Toon guy. I took Cleveland to my eliminator. Clayton it was a twenty-seven nothing. Poor Clayton Toon. It was one point like seventeen nothing, and he's hobbling to the sideline. I'm like, I actually feel bad for that guy. This is now, his big moment. I feel bad for him. Heads up to people this week for fantasy football. Yes, because this is dreadful. This is a oh, it's a bye week. Palooza. Chiefs, Dolphins, Ugh. Eagles, Ugh. and then you know in Cooper Cup. Nakua, maybe Stafford, uh, sure. the Rams well, are Dar- also Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson, I picked him up in the league. He got me a solid ten points. So fantasy land: Chiefs, Rams, Dolphins, uh, I think Eagles too, all on their bye week. Uh, you're going to be in scramble Ooh. mode for fantasy in terms of trying to add to your roster or relying on some <laughs> of your bench guys. And I know we mentioned this yesterday, but you want to talk about a dreadful week for prime time. Ugh. It's awful. Ugh. My younger brother is screwed in our fantasy league. He's got seven <laughs> players on by this week. <laughs> I'm like that in the league. He's I like, took a bunch of Eagles and Dolphins like, There's nothing I can do. I can't drop everybody. Right. Right. No, right, 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 no right. you're screwed. You just got to take the L. You just eat it. Now, Mark, why are we watching tomorrow? It, it, it's a, is it a win? Because it's fun. Is it a win-win for the Bears? What do the Bears want? Yeah, I mean, Justin Fields still questionable. I guess he could come back. I, I find it kind of crazy that you're going to run him out on a on a short week. Granted, he hasn't played, but still, playing on a Thursday night and all that. Um, I would say, yeah. They have both it, of it, these draft picks, This game means though. everything. It, he's got both picks. I think the Bears would like to win. I think they should win. And, uh, yeah, give, give, the, give the little, you know, Gilmore shine on that number one overall pick. Send the Carolina Panthers to what one and eight? Yeah, so that would be nice. Is Frank Wright coaching for his job tomorrow? There is that a little bit too harsh of a statement. I, I, I think it's too early. I think that. it's too early as well. Even though I think he's a one and done in Carolina. Did you hear Belichick got asked that on Monday? <laughs> Who asked him that? Bill Belichick got asked if he was coaching for his job. Like, do you want to know how bad things are in New England right now? Well, that's a rumor that's out there, New England, and, and you know. I bring up the right thing, and I don't think he is to answer my own question. But, you know, sometimes a Thursday night game, you got the mini bye week. Sometimes that's how people react. Again, New England's just like Indianapolis. They'll have a bye week after the Germany trip. That's where we're at right now with the Patriots. Two and seven, and literally Bill Belichick is fielding a question and answering a question on if he feel feels like he's coaching for his job. Someone, we, we should find that clip. Someone made the uh someone made that man man I think it was maybe Maggie Gray I follow her she's on CBS radio. She made the point of, you know, it's kind of interesting is it not that Bill Belichick would always get rid of a player one year before the player, you know, his value went down. He knew when to break up with a player. Now you could say maybe he didn't do the right thing. He should have, you know, hung on to Tom Brady for one more year whatever it may be. But that's been always the Belichick thing. 
hey, uh, right before you become a bust, I'm going to go ahead and move on from you. I'm not going to be the one that pays you a lot of money. And that's literally what may happen here with, uh, now, with them. Would he pick his successor well, I mean, or would a mid-season it, firing be so Mayo was a dry Mayo uh, the defensive coordinator there one of his great players in their run I mean many people think he's the next guy I, I don't know to me if I'm a New England fan I kind of want a brand new start you know Mike Vrabel makes too much sense there you could say if you're going to bring in someone from quote unquote the outside but still would understand the Patriot way right the Patriot way you have to have somebody that understands that he would be a name to watch but I I find it it would be it would show you that Belichick and Kraft don't like each other and haven't liked each other probably since at least the Tom Brady stuff if they fired him and didn't give him the courtesy if you will to to you know to to coach out the rest of the season giving what he has meant to that franchise for more than a decade right are four standalone windows for NFL games in Week 10. Again, Bears and Panthers tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Colts and Patriots, NFL Network. That will air locally here on Fox, by the way. 9.30 kick on Sunday morning. Sunday night football, Jets against the fighting Aiden (laughs) O'Connells and the Raiders. And then Monday night will be Broncos and Bills. And the Cowboys have to be the leading eliminator pick this weekend. Seventeen point favorites over yeah, the Giants don't and Tommy you think you've DeVito. Already used them by this point? Well, I haven't. Oh wow! So my question is: Do I use? And we'll take a break. Oh yeah, you use. Them. Do I use the Cowboys here? It's a complete layup, or you know, do do I gamble with somebody else? Uh, me and Mark were talking about that. Do I gamble with? And I don't know who that would be. It's Maybe Chicago. Don't overthink it. Maybe Chicago over Carolina. I gamble with the Bears. How about that? Now, Tim just said Jeff Saturday and Robert Kraft have a relationship. <laughs> uh, that could go a lot of ways, I, to be fair. <laughs> Jeff Saturday Jeff's finished a, out the season. Happily married man, but uh, it, not going down that path. Uh, Jeff Saturday and Robert Kraft, back during the what lockout. If, what, if, what if that was hand this? Hand, or I, arm in arm, I, remember I, that? I remember that. What if Jeff's, this was Jeff Saturday's thing? He just went to ESPN, and then around week 10, 11, 12, when teams got rid of their uh, coach, he just came in just to finish things off for a month and then went back to ESPN throwing pancakes at the uh, screen. That's what he was doing about two minutes ago, by the way. Jeff Saturday, Urban Meyer, <laughs> Deion Sanders. Who coaches an NFL game next? Deion. He's not going to be coaching a bowl game this season with Colorado, but uh, I would say Dion. Saturday, it will never happen again. I'll go Dion Sanders. Is that okay with you? We got Stacy Dales coming up. Oh, today? So we just got a show adjustment. I know we're doing this on the fly. Stacy Dales of NFL Network going to join us at 9. Zach Kiefer going to join us at 9.30. So we're going to shuffle the schedule. She's available today only. So we're going to shuffle the schedule. Stacy Dales on the call for. Colts Patriots live from Frankfurt yeah she's been over there for a couple weeks right yeah she will be on the sidelines coming up again that will be Rich Eisen Jason McCourty Stacey Dales and Sarah Walsh coming up Sunday morning so Stacey Dales from NFL Network who is a frequent Colts visitor training camps offseason stuff as well Uh, she's going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes it's the wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. All right, going to be a short segment here. Stacy Dale's NFL Network will be on the call for the Colts and Patriots. She's going to join us at 9 o'clock. We're going to move Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. We'll move him back uh, to 9.30. So a lot of expertise, KB, coming up in the next hour on what's uh, the happenings over in Germany. The Dolphins and Chiefs last weekend. I do want to ask Stacy. you know, the Dolphins, they were over there the entire 
entire week. We talked about this and uh, what the Chiefs rolled in on Thursday, much like the two teams will this week. Uh, The Chiefs won the game. Did that mean anything into going uh, to winning that game? I kind of doubt it, but uh, two different objectives, I guess, for those teams. All right, so help us here. We, We found, Mark found the elusive Bill Belichick sound from yesterday's press conference. Yeah, I'm scrolling through the transcript from Belichick earlier. <laughs> I think this might have been Monday earlier in the week, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this dude, Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach in NFL history, is getting asked if he's coaching for his job in Germany on Sunday. That's fantastic. I'm like, I've got to hear the audio. Mark Dykton, fire away. Have you been given any assurances from ownership about your job status for the rest of the season? Yeah, my focus is on getting ready for the Colts. Do you personally believe that you could be coaching for your job this week against the Colts? I'm going to control it. I can control it. I'm going to get ready for the Colts. (laughs) It's a fair question. It's a fair question. Someone needs to ask Shane Steichen. I love Belichick. Hey, hey, just you, the look of the just disgust the on his face. pause. I was like, did the Zoom freeze? <laughs> I thought the Zoom froze. He's ready to slash that guy's tires. I mean, oh, it is so a rumor. Good. It is a rumor in Boston. I know. It's got that, that, mid, that a mid-season firing isn't a crazy thing. And First. you got a bye week and the Colts aren't. I mean, listen, the Colts, you know, Patriot fans don't view the Colts as any sort of good team. First time five games under 500 since 2000. That's 23 years ago. Would you want him running your franchise? I mean, I'm just asking. I mean, if the Colts were in the position, if you're the uh, if you're a Washington Commander fan, how if you're a Chicago he? Bear fan, what is check? He? Isn't he? He's early 70s, yeah, he's isn't gonna, he? He's going to get 72. I was going to guess 73. Let's so let's let's find out together what he is. He's he seventy one. <laughs> We're both wrong. Well, you're close. Pete Carroll's got energy through the roof, uh, and he's even older. I would say Bel- some team would give Belichick one more run. Oh, he's going to be in Washington next year. It's, R- it's just, the uh, there's no doubt about it. He's going to be in Washington next year. Live from Frankfurt, Germany, she'll be on the call coming up Sunday. It'll be, it is Stacy Dale. She joins us next. Well, yeah. So besides my dad coming last year um last time they saw me play was when i played for the vienna vikings so i was in austria um we played like the the national championship in austria you know won the game so it was like really exciting good send-off i would say and yeah that was really the, the last time you know before i then headed over to college and the nfl then that they were all together watching a game. That's Bernard Ryman from May, right when the game was announced. Uh, KB, you guys had him on with Jake. I'm sure that was a fun conversation. His family going to get to to see him up close. That's Bernard Ryman. Uh, that, that's still up at the podcast center, isn't it, Mark? You can go find that somewhere and yeah, give that a good listen. Dig in the archive. Yeah, I got to dig like, back and dig back in May when I'm things. Bernard were... Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> I love I guess. that. I get it. I love Fantastic. that. Uh, well, let's get some insight on what's going over there in Germany. Stacey Dale, uh, Stacey Dales joins us, NFL Network here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stacey, it's a good morning for us, and I think it's a good afternoon for you. How are you? Hey, guys. Uh, guten Tag. Uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. six hours uh, later than you, so it's about 3 o'clock here. 
but they seem to drink all day. So if, if it's 9 o'clock here, there's beer, and if it's 3 o'clock, there's beer. So go figure. Well, oh, that sounds great. And honestly, Gardner <laughs> yeah. Minshew versus Mac Jones, you might need to dive into that a little bit earlier. Uh, the great Stacey Dales from NFL oh, Network live from Frankfurt. Um, how's it been? I, uh, give us life in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, compare it to any American city. This is all very new to us, so we appreciate any insight. Yeah, no, it's good to be with you guys. Like I said, I've been here since last week because we had the Dolphins Chiefs on Sunday, which ended up being a great game. Uh, the town, I would tell you, is uh, it's it's very similar in terms of shopping to a lot of our U.S. cities. It's very historic. I'm actually doing live shots right now with Jason McCourty on Good Morning Football, and we are in a part of town called Romerberg, and it's like super old, 700-year-old buildings. But... The, the nucleus of it, the genesis of the city, it's just shopping. I mean, you can literally walk to shop after shop, high-end, middle-end, low-end, and it's just endless. Really good food. Um, you have your customary, you know, German staples, sausages, and all that stuff, but there's actually a ton of great Italian restaurants. You get a great European feel here, and I've been trying kind of a new spot every night when we're not working, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been awesome, actually. So I think if you're a Colts fan coming here, you're going to have a blast. You can walk all over the city, and there's a lot of historic landmarks. Stacy Dale's with us here on The Fan. Uh, the stadium's about 50000 which obviously is a lot less than most you know, big-time colleges or NFL. So how are the facilities there, the stadium, and everything else? Yeah, I thought it was interesting um, to go there because they have sort of an open-air concept, right? Um, Andy and Kevin, they, you know, it gets cool in there, but it's protected from rain should it rain. It's supposed to be a little bit colder on Sunday. The the field that you're actually going to see on TV is, it's a combo. So it's a little bit of artificial and it's a, and it's a little bit of grass. So it's a mixture. Hmm. When I talked to when I talked to kickers from both the Dolphins and the Chiefs this past weekend, uh, they said it wasn't too bad because they all had the seven studs in. So I think if you're prepared, uh, it shouldn't be an issue in terms of slippage. Uh, but generally speaking, it was, a, it was a good facility. It was extremely loud. You mentioned 55,000. When you pack that many people into sure. this open-air concept, it gets really, really, really almost noisy loud, uh, as if you were turning music up really noisily. So uh, you should be prepared for that if you're a cold fan coming to the game, and the beer's cold, too. <laughs> Stacey Dale, then she's, sell, she's selling me. You don't, she have to se- you don't have to sell me on the beer, Stacey. I'm already very jealous <laughs> that you're able, uh, what you've been able to do for the last week and a half or so. I'm very jealous. <laughs> very. Yeah. Well, Apple Wine, so Apple Wine is actually famous to Frankfurt, and so Jason McCordy and I did a little shtick on the show today, and we stopped at a little German restaurant, and they were just so lovely. And when we tasted the Apple Wine, I was like, this is cider beer. So that's what it tasted like. It tasted like cider beer, a nice, crisp, non-sweet cider beer. But, uh, you know, they got all the apartifs here in Germany. You want vodka, you can get vodka. You want (laughs) rum, you can get rum, and so on and so forth. Look at this. Stacey Dales just covering it all. The more you can do here uh, <laughs> with jealous. us from the NFL Network. Um, she'll be on the call. It'll be Rich Eisen, Jason McCourty, Sarah Walsh, and Stacey coming up on Sunday morning, 9.30 locally here on Fox. That'll be the simulcast from NFL Network, of course. Stacey, had you been to many uh, international games, whether in you know London or uh, I guess Munich last year? 
I did not go to Munich. I was in London two weeks last year. I've been to London throughout the years uh, several times, and I love that experience. This is something totally different, and I love it here in di- for different ways reasons okay uh, could, could you expand th- more on that like in, in what ways is, does it feel different you know i was fortunate to go to london in 2016 but i'm curious you know how frankfurt is different for you well if you don't have the google translate app you better get it because it's hard to understand uh the language here it's hard to even you know learn words and speak them back like it's it just is uh most of the people here speak some some english uh, a lot of it's broken English, which I respect because I don't know any German. Uh, but that's a challenge, I would say, the language aspect of it. But it's just different. It's, it, it's got a whole different look. The architecture's different. The one thing I'll tell you that's the same is the world is rabid for NFL. I mean, the people here are nuts for the NFL. And there's uh, quite a few Americans here. Um, this game will be interesting because, you know, there's a huge Patriots following here in Germany. They love the Patriots. Maybe Tom Brady had something to do with that. And so I we'll see what kind of turnout we get. But uh, the other thing I would say is that the Colts aren't fully out of this thing yet. They're four and five. If they win this game, they're 500. Do they not have a bye next week, you guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bye and then Tampa Bay. So they could go five and five and they would have a winnable game after the bye week. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know that they've played their best football, right? I'm actually, I wanted to ask you guys, like, what's the deal with Shaq Leonard? I know he's coming off the field on third downs, and he's had all these injuries in the past, but we're super anxious to talk to Gus Bradley and figure out where that sits with their linebackers. And, you know, we anticipate Zaire would play this weekend because he was, I think, close last weekend. I don't know. But, um, you know, they can do a few things defensively if they're able to get that pressure with four. And then the running backs. Like, we haven't seen Jonathan Taylor play his best game yet. So, uh, this team is not out of it by any stretch. Yeah, the Shaq Leonard storyline, Stacey, has been very, very interesting. You know, last week without Zaire Franklin, the thought was, okay, his role would expand. And snap count-wise, it really didn't at all. They went with Saguna Luby, former undrafted free agent, and getting a bigger role uh, for Zaire Franklin instead of Shaq's. Role expanding, he doesn't seem too pleased with it. Seems like physically he's fine and that he can you know take on a bigger role. But the, obviously Gus Bradley has decided uh, to go in a different angle. And I guess I'm curious just in general to expand a little bit more on the Colts. You obviously, I believe that's one of the teams that you cover on a frequent basis. Certainly seen you around the facility and at training camp. Um, four and five on the year, like you said. You know this is an opportunity to head in the bye week with a little bit of uh, of momentum and a two game win streak. How have you kind of viewed a very uh, newsy Colt season from Anthony Richardson's injury to Jonathan Taylor's contract, Shaquille Leonard, and now you know an opportunity to get back to 500 uh, at the midway point in November? All that stuff you just said, incredibly impressed with Shane Steichen, period. I mean, for him to go through the contract situation slash injury that Jonathan Taylor was rehabbing and dealing with to losing a franchise quarterback in Anthony Richardson, uh, which – what I loved about from the jump that situation was we're going to start him and we're going to ride with him. And they did. And I, I respect that in Shane Steichen. He's like, I'm not going to sit this guy. We're going to start him. He's our franchise quarterback. He gets hurt. So Gardner Minshew comes in. Zach Moss is freaking balling like nobody's business. He's second right now in the NFL in rush yards. And all of a sudden, Jonathan Taylor comes back. So now 
if you're Shane Steichen, you're trying you're trying to figure out touches, who's going to get the ball. Well, we've got to give it to Jonathan Taylor, right? He got his deal. He got maybe not totally what he wanted, but he got he signed, um, and he's back and he's playing. He has managed all of that, and they averaged 26 points a game. I mean, are you kidding me? Like they they have we we were talking about it earlier in one of our hits, um, J Mac and I. Like they have a nine point increase from last year to this year. That is the biggest jump for any team in the NFL. They have, and, and, and Jason said this on our last hit, like every single game they've averaged 20 or more points. That is the best in the NFL. No other team has done that. 20 plus points in every game this season. So I give a lot of credit to Shane Steichen for allowing this offense to continue to function without the franchise quarterback and the development of Anthony Richardson, and they're still in football games. I think it speaks to him going to the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles last year uh, in that marriage with Jalen Hurts. Stacey Dale's with us here, NFL Network, going to be on the call, the TV call there of the Colts and Patriots Sunday, uh, local time here at 9.30. Okay, that's the Colts side, uh, and things are getting juicy with the Patriots. They're not winning. Uh, Belichick was asked yesterday if he's coaching for his job, all the rumors that he could be fired midseason. I'm sure McCourty's had a lot to say about that. What do you make of the other side of this game, and that's the the turmoil, and, and quite frankly, Stacey, the losing going on in New England? Yeah, it's wow. It's just such a fascinating conversation because the last time Bill Belichick and the Patriots were two and seven was his first year as the head coach of the Patriots, which was two thousand. So, twenty three years later, they have the same record. That season back in two thousand, they finished five and eleven, I believe it was. And so that's why you have. I was just talking with a local, you know, Boston station who's here over in a part of Old Town uh, like an hour ago, and there's actually articles in the Globe in in Boston that if the Patriots don't beat the Colts this weekend, he may lose his job. Now, I personally, that ain't going to happen. Okay, you're not going to do Bill Belichick that way. But it's kind of believed that if the season continues on this trajectory, uh, you know, one would assume there would be a discussion about maybe him stepping down. Although I don't know that. Uh, it's not a good record. There's a lot of pride when it comes to Jonathan and Robert Kraft, and they have a product to put on the field. Obviously, they haven't. They're on, you know, they're on a path right now to miss the playoffs three of their last four years since Tom Brady left. So there's a lot of, you know, that's a whole other sure. storyline. But they can't score. I mean, listen, Kendrick Bourne two weeks ago, or a week ago tears his ACL. Who are you going to? You're having to rely upon Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke Elliott. There's just not a lot of talent on the perimeter with all due respect to those guys. They're averaging 15 points a game. To me, if the Colts don't come here and win this game, that's a big loss for the Colts. I agree. Yeah, it's one that's gonna they're they're gonna have to sit with too uh, going to the bye week. All right, last one for Stacy Dales. This is just me wondering, what jersey have you seen the most your time there over the last week week and a half or so? Is there a jersey that you think has popped up for any team uh, more than more than another one? Yeah, I would say probably the Chiefs because they were here. Okay, and then they had some so Mahomes. Yeah, I would say the Chiefs, um, just because they were here and they won the Super Bowl last year. If you win the Super Bowl, you're you know the people in Europe think you're a god. So, <laughs> um, 
Okay. Yeah, but I was going, I was shopping like when I had it like an hour the other day, and I have to tell you, they had an entire, there's an entire restaurant devoted to the Colts here. Really? And then I was going through the Galleria, and there's an entire like model display of the New England Patriots. So, and it wasn't Mac Jones. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I would have Yeah, shocking. They would go one. with Tom Brady. All right, well, good deal. Stacey, we'll end with this. Uh, obviously, I think some people will recall your basketball career playing five seasons in the WNBA. Uh, you got any memories of playing in uh, the city of Indianapolis, whether it's against the Fever or trying to think of, you know, you, you ever would have crossed paths here from a uh, college tournament standpoint, anything like that? Yeah, we lost because Tamika Catchings played on the Fever. So, thanks. <laughs> As she enough. heads to grab that cold beer, the crisp cider wine after a Ooh. comment like that. Apologies for that for that question. You brought yeah, up bad memories. I'm just going to go start drinking that. <laughs> to be fair, it is a long list of people that Tamika Catchings got the better of in her historic career. Exactly. No, it, I bet always have fond memories. I actually love Indianapolis. I love doing games there. I love that you can walk everywhere. St. Elmo's is a treat every time. And uh, it's just such a great sports town. And I especially love it when we can come and all join up and do the combine together every year. It's just a great venue. And uh, I'm excited to see the Colts over here. I have not had a Colts game this season. I love the staff. And uh, I think better days are ahead. She is Stacy Dales, live from Frankfurt, Germany. Again, you'll hear her on the call coming up Sunday morning at 9.30. Stacy, I know the schedules are crazy with the time change and everything. Thanks so much for making time for us here, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon at a, at a Colts game stateside. Thank you guys for having me. Take care. Stacy Dales right there on the Payless International Liquor Yeah, how about hotline, that? If you will. Uh, thank you for her time, and I have heard that tons and tons of Patriots fans over there. And again, understandably, you get why. You know, if you're going to be an American football fan, hey, let's cheer for the winner. Let's cheer for Tom Brady, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And sounds like a pretty loud stadium. Yeah, but let's see. Let's see if these fans who love Tom Brady because they were 13 and three every year, going to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls, and everything else, are they still fans? I don't like that. I don't want them. I don't 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 put it on a Chiefs jersey. No, They're international no. Put fans. A, put on oh, a yeah. Ramon a Ramon J. Stevenson jersey, okay? Yeah. Put on a Juju Smith Schuster jersey, okay? They're going to be rocking their <laughs> Patriot gear coming up Sunday morning. Oh, I am. Oh man. You know, part of me thought you know, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but you know, Andrew Luck was obviously born, uh, or I should say, lived over there uh, for a decent majority of kind of his elementary years. You know, Oliver Luck started the World League. Bjorn sure. Werner hey. was a first round pick. Yeah. Bernard Ryman. I, I don't know. I, you would think there'd be a decent Colts contingent over there, and <laughs> obviously, tickets pretty hard to come by. Uh, they sold out very, very quickly. The fifty thousand. For the uh, Deutsche Bank Park, uh, we'll hear from Bernard Ryman later today. Curious how much uh, fans he will have there, how many fam- you know, family members, sure. et cetera, et cetera. I think he told us back in May it was like a two-hour drive. From no, his se- hometown. seven. Seven-hour. Seven seven-hour drive, yeah. Totally off on that. <laughs> Again, two hours from, uh, I think it was Munich to Frankfurt, um, different parts of Germany there. Um, but so, yeah, Bernard Ryman, obviously, certainly one that he circled on the calendar coming up on Sunday. I always wonder, and it's impossible, it's absolutely impossible, okay, for for us to know the answer. But KB, if you lived in Germany, Mark, if you lived in Germany, who do you think you would be a fan of? See, it's like impossible team, to answer. Like, yeah, like who would you be a fan of in the or? NFL? Yeah, if you were like over there, you wouldn't have a Colts jersey on probably. Who do you think you'd have a jersey of? 
I mean, you'd probably be a bit of a fan. Like the good teams? Yeah. I mean, they're, or like, I don't or know. Or like the it, Cowboys or something like that. Is there a like player that? that does like international marketing? Yeah, I, I don't have know. no idea. Yeah, I don't know. If that player. But like, think of the images of NBA players going to, and honestly, I think a little bit China, more right? of like Asia area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you see those scenes. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, every single time. No, it is. Like, Do, did you buy this player's shoes or not? And if you did, then you're probably going to be a fan of that player. I remember talking to a Colts fan from Europe back in 2016 when they went over there to play Jacksonville. And I was like, all right, out of curiosity, how did you become a Colts fan? And they said that they were fascinated by the NFL draft. They don't have a draft for the English right. Premier League. So right. the draft captivated them. They were like, this is unbelievable this is crazy this is really unique uh i'm intrigued by it you know tell me more and the year that they really were fell in love with the draft was when andrew luck went one overall so they decided okay i love the draft and andrew luck's got some international ties i'm gonna be be a colts fan so i I feel like it can be really random like that. so i found a list of the most popular nfl teams in european countries i don't think you're gonna guess the first or second team. <laughs> now, what is this based off of? The jersey sales, apparel, um, viewership, and all that stuff. No. The Seahawks? I'll go with the Packers. The most... Ooh, they are number Steelers, two. maybe? They are number two <laughs> okay. despite sucking. Um, in Germany, the top team, and this probably has the Tom Brady effect, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I hope everyone has their Baker Mayfield and Chris Godwin jerseys now. If I'm not mistaken, again, this is a New England home game. You know, they had a forfeit one of their home games. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe that they have like a marketing section in Germany. The NFL came out with this a few years ago where I think the majority of teams have like an international area that they can market in and do it very directly. And I want to say... Uh, Germany was one of the ones for the Patriots. The Colts are the runner-up in one country to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So the second most popular team is the Annapolis Colts. Do you want to venture any guess of what European country this is? <laughs> I don't think you'll get it in 10 guesses. <laughs> then no, I don't want to. I would that to me one more time. The Col- so, so again, most popular team in this country is also the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Colts are the second mm-hmm. most popular team in that country. Which country in Europe is it? Luxembourg. Ooh, no, that'd be the Chicago Bears are the second most popular team in, in Luxembourg. The Indianapolis Colts are the second most popular team in Estonia. No, oh, of course. Oh, of course. wow. Obviously. Rich history in Estonia. Oh, of course. Never would have guessed Estonia. I think Jim Mercy tried to sign. Maybe that was Ryan Grixon tried Maybe to sign the next an Estonian wrestler. Is there anyone in this building right now that if I gave a blank map to could pick no, out Estonia? No no. Anybody? Uh-uh. No Is chance. there anybody in your life that you think could do that? Because I'm trying to think if there's a human in my life that I said, yeah, show me a... Delacroix, my old geography teacher. <laughs> Should I know who that is? I'm like, yeah. here it is right here. Like, sir, that's Antarctica. Like, I don't know. In years <laughs> Pass, Andy, I would venture to guess today would be a pretty big day for you, radio-wise. Any, any reason why you think I'm going down that path? Uh, a big day for me, radio-wise. No. What happened radio-wise? It is National Signing Day for oh, college yes. basketball players. Just saw... It's the that, early period, yeah. Yeah, and I just saw, obviously, it was Indiana a few weeks ago. I got the commitment from right. Liam McNeely, five-star. Did not get Boogie. You were all over that. Boogie Flan Sorry, Peaks.com. On that, the Peaks slander. You certainly got the last laugh on that one. But I knew there were some questions back when 
Uh, this guy left Brownsburg to go to Overtime Elite. That would be Kane and Catching. Speaking of Tamika, the nephew of Tamika Catchings, but he just put pen to paper in his letter of intent to Purdue. That is the highest ranked recruit in the Matt Painter era. So, so, so does he have to uh, sit for two years before he plays? Or is Catchings, is he going to get the okay that he can play sooner rather than later? Come on, Purdue fans. You know you sit everyone for two years. Oh, Rod, didn't they start two freshman guards uh, last year? No. And Brain Smith I'm and kidding. Fletcher Lord? I'm kidding. But that is their thing, right? You go there, you I mean, might maybe sit, sit for a year. Maybe some of the big guys. I, I tend to think some of the freshmen do. I mean, obviously, Braden Smith. Yeah, and- Duke has, Duke's going to have the number one class for right now. It probably still end up being Kentucky in the end, but Duke has the Duke has the early lead right now. John Shire, what does Notre Dame have? Uh, a pretty good class. Okay. Sir Muhammad, Cole okay. Serta. So they yeah, blocked Garrison, up a couple guys. Yeah, I think they got like three top. I think it's like one twenty one, one thirty guys, and uh, the Muhammad kid is Nazi Muhammad's son. Oh yeah, remember Kentucky? Yeah, I remember Nazi Muhammad. So Kenny Catching is very important for Matt Painter and Purdue. I think anytime you see. An in-state kid leave to go to you know prep school, overtime elite. You know, I'm trying to think of what the other was Montverde Academy. All mm-hmm. those. You're a little bit worried about that, but uh, credit to the Purdue staff so, for maintaining yeah, him. Am I wrong here? I'm just looking at his rivals page. So he decommitted at one point. Yeah, there was some, from there Purdue. Was like an awkward. Yeah, there were I don't know a few weeks, a few months there where it was very like, okay, is he open this up like hmm. big time? Where is he going? And then again, you see him go to overtime elite, and you're thinking. Well, that's the end of that, or at least I think there were some people that thought that, uh, but clearly um, he stayed with the Boilermakers. Yeah, I mean, college basketball, you know, the overtime elite, I know like Kentucky's had some success there. I don't think that, at least in my opinion, I don't think that has affected schools from feeling like they can't get a player. And then you throw on top of it, you know, college basketball, with you know, the G League. You know, I, I know some guys go to the G League. I understand that. College basketball has not been hijacked by that. Remember probably four or five years ago, KB, that was a big deal. Like, oh boy, you know, there's all these different ways. Maybe not five years ago, maybe three or four. Oh, there's other ways now. These guys don't have to go to college and it was thought that that was going to be the thing but you know now if you're getting a couple hundred thousand dollars to go there that's nothing compared to what you can make at with nil money it's not so college basketball to me has totally weathered that storm with all the weeping and gnashing of teeth of all these different options it's still a great option to go to college and then with the nil being the way that it is you can make more money and that matters as well good for catching now you're asking anyone been to estonia Shout out to the great Rick Jacobs from our friends at Galaxy Concrete Co. Oh, has he been there? They did, obviously, an outstanding job on my home. He has been to Good Estonia. For him. Okay. How about that? I'd love to go to all these places, man. It's probably, like, seriously, now, you know, now I have a kid and we're very happy that we have little gas, so I'm not making it little sound gas, like this, we're okay? Backpacking through but- <laughs> Estonia, young child. Uh, well, my cousin lived in Germany when she had her uh, first child. Really? So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she had plane rides from Germany and back by herself with two kids. Can you imagine uh, doing that? But it's probably that sounds beyond. Miserable. It's probably one of my biggest regrets is not doing a little bit of European travel. Not with a backpack. Yeah. Uh, probably more the the style that Jake Query's been doing it the last week or so. Yeah, it's kind of on my wife and I's bucket list to do Italy at some point. Oh, that'd be fantastic. You know, I don't know. I have a buddy. Five-year wedding anniversary's coming I, up. Maybe I, a 10-year. I don't know. Uh, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a buddy, a former producer of mine, is convinced. 
he's Italian and he lets you know about it, that two of his children were conceived in Italy. No, like like he feels <laughs> very now. he feels very strongly about Whoa. that. And then there are places in Italy that want you that like want Americans to buy land, to buy homes, if you will. I thought you were gonna say they want you to conceive there. No, I have a well that's what you do in Italy anyway. So are you his better kids know about Fettuccini and no. Alfredo. Fettuccini Alfredo, let's go. No, no, they're not. Thank you for those stereotypes. Um, the other one, I know a guy's in real estate. He's he's gonna buy he's gonna buy a home in Italy. How about that? He's gonna buy a home in Italy. Well, could be the Airbnb if so, we do so, make it over. So there. maybe if he goes over there and he Airbnb's, uh, Airbnb's it, I'll say I know a family, the Bowens. They want to spend some time. Yeah. There you go. Hell you get yeah. a deal. I'll get you a deal. Uh, Anthony, come on, Kevin. Estonia is one of the Baltic states. Everybody knows this. Everybody seems to be a little bit of a loose term yeah. with that one. Everybody's uh, doing a lot of work in that comment. Zach Kiefer <laughs> joined us in a few again. He is fresh back from Frankfurt, so we'll get his thoughts on his experience over there and the. This season. Before that, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Yeah, the conversation this morning centered around Indiana basketball 69 63 winners over Florida Gulf Coast. Gabe Cups came in the second half, was nice. You move Xavier Johnson off the ball. They went small. Here's Mike Woodson post game. They were small too. You know, and I mean, I was basically looking at it from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, it's always good. I I feel good with all three of those guys handling the basketball. And if we run in pick and roll offense, they all three are capable of uh, making plays out of the pick and roll. But, you know, you got to give them credit too, man. Their, their defense was – I thought their defense was solid as hell. I mean, they their rotations were right on and they stymied the ball in our pick and rolls to the point where we couldn't get it out quick enough to that pass leading to something good and that's something we just got to get better at. So that's Mike Woodson. Obviously, uh, the star of the game for me was Khalil Ware. 13-12, and 12, uh, had four assists, three blocks as well. Mackenzie Mbako, only 18 minutes, four points, two of six from the field. But going small was good enough. Indiana back in action Sunday when they host Army. Yeah, Gabe Cup's big for them as well. But I thought Mike Woodson was spot on in saying, I've got a lot of work to do with this bunch. Both ends of the floor. I think you saw that last night. All right, tonight over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, Pacers and Jazz. The Jazz are 0-4 this year on the road, 2-6 on the season. Pacers favored by 6.5 in that one. Again, it's a back-to-back for Indiana. Milwaukee here in Indianapolis coming up tomorrow night. The Bucks play tonight against Detroit. That is an 8 o'clock tip for them. It'll be the first matchup this year with the Bucks. So Pacers round out this five-game homestand, which they are currently 2-1 and one on with the Jazz and then the Bucks. Uh, Colts, they're back to work today. It is a walkthrough. Obviously, the injury report last week had a lot of notable names on it, so certainly be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Bill Belichick currently having his Wednesday press conference. Uh, who do you think he named as the Colts' first best player? He listed off the Colts' best players. Who do you think was the first Did one? he go Kenny Moore, his guy? Did he go Kenny Moore first? He did, did not he go, go Kenny Moore Buckner. in true Bill Belichick fashion. He said Matt Gay. Matt Gay. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Nothing Belichick loves more than talking special teams, right? I, just thought, I thought Luke Rhodes might be on the bingo. I, I think he might have been next. <laughs> His special teams haven't been great either. You want to get Belichick going, talk Navy, Army, or talk ask special him about teams. specialists. So, again, just a walkthrough today for the Colts. Practice here on Thursday, and then red-eye it to Frankfurt, Germany, 
coming up tomorrow. Just a couple other football notes. Carson Wentz headed to the Rams to be Matthew Stafford's backup <laughs> there. Uh, I guess that's interesting. Will Levis announced the starter there in Tennessee. In college football playoff rankings, I'll just give you the top five. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington uh, as they put those out last night. Notre Dame dropping all the way, KB, as if you care, to number 20 on that list. Salt me wounds with yeah. that one. Uh, and then this from Greg Doyle. I don't know Greg was in the breaking news department, if you will. Uh, Barry Collier going to be resigning from AD at Butler. I should say Ooh. stepping down, it looks like. Uh, was it after 2024? Did I see that right, Mark? Uh, April 2024, yeah. April 2024, so I guess after this um, athletic calendar year in the spring of this athletic calendar year. I don't think too much of a surprise there. Obviously, Collier uh, got things started from a basketball standpoint there, uh, leading into the Todd Licklider era and Brad Stevens and so on. After that, uh, be curious who they, if they promote from within. Grant Leindecker, I know, someone who played for Brad Stevens. They think very, very highly of in that athletic department. Uh, so we'll see how uh, that plays out for Butler, Thad Mata, and company. All right, on the other side, Zach Kiefer, he joins us next. Appreciate Stephen Holder joining us, Stacey Dales joining us as well. If you miss any of that or our IU basketball conversation, catch it at the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com or wherever you download your podcast. Well, let's get to Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. He was there uh, in Germany, so we can continue that conversation. Uh, the Colts and other things happening around the league. Zach, good morning, sir. Thanks for being flexible. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're fantastic. Uh, thank you for sure for joining us. You know, we had Stacy on, so we had a little bit of the lay of the land, but I was going to start our conversation asking you, you know, about the stadium, about the setup, and obviously uh, we got, I don't know, 21-14, and not a high-scoring game, but a close game between the Chiefs and Dolphins. How was your week over there in Germany? Yeah, it was an experience, and that's putting it mildly. I mean, it, it was like nothing I've experienced in the States, that's for sure. And I've covered, you know, the game in London four or five years ago, the Colts lost to the Jaguars, felt a lot more like the United States than this one. This one felt like a European soccer match. I'm not kidding. Now, the stadium was covered. For all the fans listening that are going, it was covered, but it was still like an outdoor game. So dress warm, because it was freezing. Like, we were freaking freezing because there's no press box at all. And so it's like outdoor press seating, which is fine. Nobody cares about that, right, except for the media. But we're like freezing, and some of the press members would go down to the press dining area to watch the game. It was so cold. Cannot say enough about the European fans. And by that, I mean it wasn't just German fans. People from all over came to the game. Now, since it was the Chiefs' home game, it was certainly like 65-30 Chiefs and then – a little bit of Dolphins fans and a little bit of just NFL fans. You're going to see a lot of random jerseys. But they brought it, man. They were getting hammered drunk. <laughs> there was cigarette smoke all over the stadium, which was new to me and not great. Um, and they, I mean, they certainly cheered more for the Chiefs because right. it was a Chiefs home game. And I believe this is a Patriots home game. But they were lively throughout. It was not quiet at any moment. And certainly... Um, it, it definitely felt like we were in Germany. It didn't feel like a game at Lucas Oil. That is hilarious. I, I remember back at uh, Wembley in 2016, just those random like bouts of cheering. I'm like, wait, where is that coming from? Why are they cheering? What am I missing here? It usually involved like a punt in the game uh, frequently back in 2016. Uh, what's Frankfurt like, Zach? I, I remember we had a caller back in 
May when the game was announced. Uh, they called us and were like, yeah, I lived over there for eight years. I compare it to Calgary and Foxborough. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement. Uh, so what was Frankfurt, Germany like? Yeah, anything compared to Foxborough is, is not going to be good <laughs> in my book. Foxborough is a, not a great place. Let's be honest. It's like an hour outside of Boston. Frankfurt was great. Now, it was certainly like more winter weather than it is here. I'm in Houston right now. It's like 90 degrees. So go figure. I think it's warm in Indy, too. Um, they've got this great little town square that's just very German. Just It just looks like a German postcard. That was great. Everybody was super, super nice. They were all super inquisitive. They could tell we were Americans. Like, why are you guys over here? And we would tell them. And some people had no idea there was an NFL game going. And some people were very, very into it. And they said, well, where are you from? And I told them, and, you know, blank stares, right? Indianapolis, like, where's that? And I would say, Peyton Manning. And a couple people would catch on to that, and I would say Indianapolis 500, and there was a couple people that would catch on to that. But um, it, it's a huge financial city. So, like, after Brexit in London, Frankfurt became essentially the financial hub of Europe. So that's a big deal there, but um, we had a blast. We just kind of bounced around the city. And it, it was just completely different than a lot of things you'd experience in America. Zach Kiefer with us here on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. As for the game, did you think Dolphins, they were there all week. The Chiefs got there on Thursday, much like Indy and New England are going to do this week. Do you think that had anything to do with the game? And then I'd piggyback. I like my Big Daniels, but you know, whether it be the Bills, Eagles, or Chiefs, the Dolphins have beat up on a bunch of bad teams and they haven't beat anybody. What did you what do you make of that narrative as well attached to Miami? Yeah, that's kind of what my job was last week was kind of right the Dolphins side. And, and Tyreek Hill, after the game, you know, he said, I feel like this is football's new rivalry. I'm going to have to push back, up, back on that because it's not a rivalry. The Chiefs, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, man. And I know they're not playing great on offense. They have a great defense right now. And, and the Dolphins, like you said, I, I watched them in Buffalo get stomped by the Bills. They couldn't beat the Eagles, and, and they haven't beaten a team with a winning record at the time of the game since week three of last year. So they have a great record. They put up a ton of points, but they haven't beaten a real one yet. So that's sort of the story with the Dolphins. Um, you know, I thought that, Andy, because when I came over, we felt like absolute misery. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Like, everyone I talked to in the media was like, how you feeling? And I was like, terrible. And they were like, yeah, like the jet lag is real. So I thought the Dolphins made the smart move. It sounds like the Patriots are doing the same thing of spending three or four days there, basically an entire practice week in Frankfurt. The Chiefs came over Friday, practiced once, and on the opening drive went like eight for eight right down the field and scored a touchdown. So I was like, well, that didn't matter at all. Um, And look, these guys are professional athletes. They're in much better shape than I am. But um, I think the Dolphins did it right. I, if I was going over there and I was a head coach, I would get my guys on schedule in Germany because it was really hard. And granted, they're they're flying over there a little bit better than I am in terms of they're probably having those <laughs> right. like, pods you can sleep in. I don't know about you, KB, but I remember, I'll never forget, Anthony Costanza, when we went over there in 2016, the Colts practiced one time, and we asked him, how are you feeling after that long flight? And this is London. This is not as far of a flight as Germany. And he said, I feel like warmed over death. <laughs> and they played like it on that Sunday because they, they lost to a really bad Jaguars team. And, and it was sort of the story of their season. They couldn't win those games. So 
I like the whole week over here for the practice sake. But again, the Chiefs won, and they were here for about 24 hours. Again, Zach Kiefer's with us. Obviously, his work at The Athletic, much more of a national picture, and I guess international. Uh, last week, he was over in Frankfurt uh, for the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Uh, Zach, I, I believe, I don't know if you had much interaction, but you did get a glimpse of uh, Colts legend Bjorn Werner at the game. Oh, KB, I got to tell you guys this. And I didn't want to tweet this because it was just mean, but he was having a blast. He's sort of like the international spokesman. They had him in Munich last year for that game, and now he's here, and he's he's on the PA, and he's on the, the video board throughout the game, just kind of revving the fan base up. Super nice guy, if you remember from his days with the Colts. But on the screen, it announces him, Bjorn Werner, Indianapolis Colts legend. And I'm just like... Because I'm a degenerate, I know that he had, I think, six and a half sacks in his entire career, oh, and he was a first-round pick, and it's not relevant anymore. It's no, no need to, to bang on him. But Indianapolis Colts legend, I was lucky enough to be in the same stadium as one of the great yeah. pass rushers in Colts history. Well, they haven't had a Ring of Honor inductee yet here in 2023, so maybe they're holding out a hope for Bjorn. But yeah, to your point. No, ex- they got to get Trent Richardson in first. <laughs> Extremely nice guy, but certainly that career did not work out. Would you compare the stadium to anything? I'm trying to think of, you know, 50,000 is not big, obviously, compared to NFL stadiums. Um, Were you at that Chargers game that the Colts played out there in, I don't know, 2019, 2020 maybe? Didn't they play like in a soccer stadium at one point? That wasn't that wasn't similar at all because that was like a nice, small stadium. That was like a new MLS park. This is kind of an older stadium, right? This is the 98-year-old stadium that hosted the World Cup in the 1970s. And it's it's not nice. Like, it's not nice in any way, but it has sort of that rustic, gross charm. Um, a little bit like the old, like the Speedway, you know, in Indy, but, like, not with the new improvements. So, like, you know, the, the in the bathrooms, it's just a bunch of troughs and yeah. God knows what else. And, like, it wasn't nice. And they had a blast, and they just they – just, kept going like there's you know how like I, I think in most nfl games it's like you know beers cut off after the third quarter like that was not a rule here that was not in effect um but we took the train on the way home after the game back to the hotel and the, they were just so nice they, they thought it was so cool that they got to see patrick mahomes and Tua play and they just loved every minute of it but like you said it certainly didn't have like a win-loss type feel to it everybody kind of won in Frankfurt because they got to get hammered and go to watch an NFL game. Zach Kiefer with us. Zach, I was, uh, last one for me, I was interested uh, in in your reporting with the Blake Martinez story. For people that don't know, this was an above-average linebacker who had in, had injuries but essentially retired at 29, and now he's coming back, and he, was, he had a company where he was trading Pokemon cards. What exactly happened there? What did you learn, and what can you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, so part of my new job is essentially to find the weirdest stories in the NFL and then tell them. And you just kind of nailed it, Andy. Like, NFL player who was a good player, yeah. who was a Pro Bowl linebacker, retired at 28 to sell Pokemon cards. Like, what? <laughs> like, how? And he made a million, you know, he made a million dollars on a couple cards that he sold. Like, individual cards are worth that much money. His company he founded made $11 million in one year. At least that's what he told me. The story came out in July got a lot of attention. You know, he had built this company up to about 20 people and they were very popular on this app, Whatnot, which is basically a streaming platform where you can sell collectibles. Obviously, he was really, really big, the most popular one in the Pokemon space. But then about three months after the story came out, 
some Reddit users started complaining that they were basically uh, misleading customers. And I can make the real quick version. Essentially, they do these breaks, they do these, these openings of these packs, and they would slip their hands off the camera, change the cards out, and put them back. So they would put less valuable cards on the camera. Gotcha. That's what the customers would receive, as opposed to the very, very valuable ones. And I know we're all probably rolling our eyes, right? It's just a Pokemon card. Dude, he bought one for $675,000 and sold it for over $2 million. What the So it's serious fuck? money. So <laughs> even on a smaller scale, if you slip one that's $40,000 off screen, those users are going to be pissed. And they were, and they brought it to WhatNot. WhatNot found enough evidence to permanently ban them wow. from the streaming platform. So his company was basically shuttered. And our guy in Charlotte yesterday, Joe Person, was kind of like, what happened? And... You know, Blake said, I had the itch. I wanted to come back. The The man I talked to in the summer was completely done with football, and he was really enjoying the fact that his company was taking off, but taking off under false pretenses and misleading customers, possibly. So a really strange story from start to end. Zach, what are you doing in Houston? I'm hanging out with C.J. Stroud today. Oh, who I had a feeling you might say that. Might be the best rookie quarterback since... A guy in Indy about 10 or 11 years ago, maybe. I mean, statistically-wise, um, that's what the numbers say. But, yeah, he's, he's having a terrific start, so I'm going to spend a little bit of time with him today. He uh, strikes me as a pretty candid, confident individual, so I look forward to what you're able to get out of him with that. And uh, enjoy that. Uh, safe travels whenever you do get back to Indy, and uh, great stuff from Germany, man. Thanks, guys. Enjoy it. That is Zach Kiefer right there, Payless Liquors Hotline. Pop quiz, 317-239-1070 to round out the show. All right, pop quiz time. Reminder, uh, great show today. Stacey Dales, Zach Kiefer, Stephen Holder, us yapping away. You miss any of it, 1075thefan.com. Also, download the app. You can take us anywhere in the world. Hell, take us to Germany. Uh, you can do that as well. Busy day on the fan. JMV at 3, Query and Company coming your way at noon. What well, call do you want to go too. with here? And we're going to have to be very quick on this All pop right. quiz. Uh, number one through eight. Uh, let's just go with number one. I'm Who fine with that. We got Mark. Mark. Oh. Well, how about that? That's perfect. Hey, Mark. Let's go. Oh, Mark. I love Mark when Mark calls. All See, right, Mark. Mark we got to be quick, brother. Hope all is well. Ball State beat Northern Illinois last night in Tuesday's Maction. Name the trophy the Cardinals took home last night for their win over the Huskies. So the Silver So, the Copper Cobb, the gold cowbell or the bronze stalk cowbell oh goodness question number two Mark the Colts face the Patriots Sunday morning in Frankfurt Germany the Patriots lead the regular season series 49 to 29 77 of those previous 78 games were played at Lucas Oil Stadium the Hoosier slash RCA Dome the Baltimore Memorial Stadium Schaefer Sullivan Foxborough Stadium and Gillette Stadium now, where was the other game played? Smart fans of that. Yes, yes. Was it Fenway Park? Uh, is it Estadio Azteca in Mexico City? Harvard Stadium or Wembley Stadium over in London? Very intelligent fans, Mark. It's a smart fan base. Harvard. Fighting Ryan Fitzpatrick's, right? Mark, are you a Harvard grad? 
IUPUI Jags won their opener against Spalding on Monday. Uh, that was an 11 a.m. tip. Uh, Mark, what's Spalding's nickname? The Cardinals, the Golden Eagles, the Panthers, or the Purple Wave? B. Do you say B as in boy? Yes. Yes. Golden Eagles. There you go. All right, question four. Russell Westbrook. All right, Mark, let's go. Russell Westbrook holds the NBA record for career triple doubles with 198. Who is second among active players on the all-time triple doubles list? Is it Nikola Jokic, James Harden, Luka Doncic, or LeBron James? So Jokic, Harden, Doncic, James. Go ahead. Harden. Okay. All right, Mark, to round it out, where are, Mark, are you a college fan of anybody? Are you? What did you think of last night? Yeah, a little shaky. Yeah, yeah, there were some nervy moments there. I mean, down 6-10 to go, that's, that's no joke. Uh, all right, in this day in 1970, Tom Dempsey of the Saints kicked an NFL record 63-yard field goal to beat the Lions 1917. Justin Tucker currently holds the NFL record for longest field goal at 66 yards. Who broke Dempsey's record, and I believe did it as a Lion, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, Was it Tucker, Jason Elam, Matt Prater, or David Akers? Elam. Uh, Elam out in the mile high. That's where Mm. Mark was going with that one. Uh, Prater was a Bronco at the time? Uh, It was Prater, actually. I just (laughs) gave you the answer. Uh, All right, Mark. uh, Correct was the Harvard Yes! Uh, the Spalding Golden that Eagles. Is correct. And I believe that's it. That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Question one: The Bronze Stalk. The Bronze Stalk. Excuse me, Stalk. Stalk. I, I, I fumbled through that one so bad. Is that a Bronze Stalk in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? He like, said the 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 Cooper the Copper Cop. You kind of looked at Scotty. He was like Cooper Cop. I don't know. Mark, great to hear your voice as always. Uh, Nikola Jokic, second among the Joker active players, and honestly, it's not very close. It's not, no. uh, or at least Jokic to Harden, I should say, on that one. Uh, and then Matt Prater, 64 yarder in December 2013. Was that in Denver? Yes. Man, a December game. Um, That's thin air in Denver. People always break Matt that out. Matt Prater was such a great fantasy football kicker. Oh, he was. He was just booting 58-yarders all the time. The Lions never getting into the end zone, only settling for three. Pacers Jazz, <laughs> six and a half. Uh, you were a little bit rattled by the over-under. Well, I know. It's 244. I, I feel like the way these teams score against bad teams, the Pacers usually come out, and I would. I mean, they, I expect them to score 40 points plus in the first quarter. So I, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here. I, lo- I love Pacers minus six and a half uh, may do a little parlay with the over. With that being said, it will be a close game and there'll be uh, 89-80. If it's 80, gosh, 89-80. Remember those years? Yeah. It's called 96. Uh, thank you to Stephen Holder, Stacey Dale, Zach Kiefer. Certainly kind of a German Frankfurt feel to today's show. Getting you set uh, for Sunday morning when it'll be Colts and Patriots from Frankfurt. Again, that is a 9.30 kick. Our coverage will begin at 6.30 and the TV uh, angle of it will be NFL Network and then airing here on Fox locally. Pray that Bally Sports works tonight. Ugh. Pacers Jazz, 7 o'clock. Our coverage, 6.30. Thank you all for listening.